Welcome in to the Hit Stick Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host for the evening, Chris, not the quarterback Sims, joined as always by my good buddy, Mr. Ryan Long over here. How's it going? Doing good, doing good, bud. And QB1, Michael Seta. How's things going? How you doing? Good, good. Good to see everyone's doing good. How's, how's it going, you guys? How's, uh, how's the evening? Uh, you know, just getting ready. Football starts a week from today as oh, we're recording this on that Thursday. From today. It's, uh, it's that time of year, boy. My jitters and excitement are off the charts right now. I am so excited for the NFL, for football, for draft season, for everything to do with football. And I'm so excited for it. I looked at uh, my fiance earlier and I was like, hey, 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 football starts a week from today. And she looked at me with like the biggest eyes. She said, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> and <laughs> She was not serious. <laughs> she was not. She, she's happy for me. She knows how much I've been looking forward to this, but she is not happy for herself. Yeah, my girlfriend's not happy either. She's like, are you done with this uh, football shit? It's not even started. Yeah, what? <laughs> Everyone knows that the best girlfriends are the ones that uh, like kind of allow and, and like, you know, know how football season works and they allow you to do your thing. So you guys got some good ones. Yeah, I think so. I, I'd agree. I'd have to agree. Shouts out, Kim. Shouts out, Carolyn. Please don't hurt me. Don't hurt <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, what do you got for me? You said you had some shit to talk to start this off. Uh, I do have some shit to talk before we start this off. So we just took place in our first redraft league, as all three of us together, over this previous weekend. Correct. So Wait, wait, before you start roasting him, I want to give a shout-out to Ron Levin Large for an excellent draft setup, excellent food. Good looks on that. It that was, was great pretty party. great. It was, I mean, when I when I walked downstairs and I saw our league name on the wall, like I was like, "Holy shit, this is a host." That yeah. was pretty great. I thought he was just going to have like a place for us to do it. I was not yeah. expecting him to go balls to the wall. So Pizza, yeah, shouts out Ron. Wings, everything. Shouts out Ron. Very appreciated. He man. knows how to set some stuff up for sure. Good looks. And uh, before I jump into everything, I just want to give a good little apology to our fan base for uh, last week's uh, mishap. We did have a. Um, Slight power outage air. The so. worst of luck and timing. As soon as we were done recording and standing up and talking our after show BS and then boom, lights out. Boom, lights on. Yeah. Normally I save the podcast immediately after hitting pause and I thought I did and turns out I didn't and it was gone forever Aaron Hernandez. So <laughs> sorry about that, boys. Uh too soon, dude. <laughs> We're going to make it up for you, though. We got a good show planned for you today. We're going to cover our wide receiver rankings. We're going to also get into our tight ends. So, but we had our first uh, full PPR draft, and our, our buddy Ryan over here, he had a very interesting draft strategy. But I really just want to highlight one thing. Who did you take in the sixth round of that draft? In the sixth round of that draft? I mean, I don't know. The board was that Singletary? It was not Devin Singletary. Was it David Montgomery? No, it wasn't Montgomery. It was one of your other misses, I think. One of my other misses. It was a hit of mine. It was it Antonio Gibson? No. Oh, well, I don't know. Who oh, that, was. That's who I thought it was. Actually. Hollywood. Oh, Marquise Hollywood Brown. Yes, Marquise yes, yes. Hollywood. So after the draft, I went back. I went. I had a fun little weekend. I was hanging out with my good buddy, my buddy Adam, my buddy Lou, my buddy Craig, and Jacob. We went to a ski lodge. We um, we did some hot tubbing. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, we got into the 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 hot tub. Little did we know it was the the hot tub time machine. So, and um, on our way back, I, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to bring us here into the time machine here to let you guys um, take us back off a little bit ago. Be able to play up to that six round ADP. Yeah. I'm going to have to, I think I would agree with side of here. Uh, I like Brown a lot. I just think, you know, they got the 28th difficult schedule for wide receivers. According to fantasy pros, they've got a lack of passing volume that you would want to see from a guy you're taking as a wide receiver. And 
I just don't think the ball's going to get to him enough or he's going to be able to pull it off enough to be able to warrant that. He's being drafted around guys like Devontae Parker, Stephon Diggs, Cortland Sutton, guys that I'm not really high on either. But I would take him over all those guys. I don't know he if don't- I <laughs> that is awesome that you re- you literally clipped that recorded that I'm, that is yeah, so I'm really awesome glad you brought that up too i'm really glad you brought that up too now so what do you got to say about that you took him at adp at six I round took him which at you ADP. called him a miss on i took him as my wide receiver four i took him i i mean i guess i should say it out loud even though everyone in our leagues and you guys listen to it my main thought behind taking him right there was strictly trade bait strictly oh. trade bait and a worthy flex spot I know that's why like when you started asking me about trades and you're like hey what about Hollywood Brown and he was the first one I'm like I'm open like I'm looking for depth Hollywood Brown I don't think he's awful but like I said in that episode I don't think he has the guaranteed volume or anything like that as my wide receiver four slash my flex play he's not awful there but if he has a huge week one against the Cleveland Browns banged up secondary He's getting Ward week one, just so you're aware. He's going to get Ward week one, but I feel like he's also going to, I don't want to say torch the Browns, but week one. You're a Ravens fan. Season, you can say it, dude. He is a Ravens He's going to torch the Browns week one. Clip that. He just Go ahead and clip that. Hollywood Brown, a wide receiver one in week one, and then I'm going to flip his ass. I'm going to flip his ass to someone. I hope I'm not going to edit this out because – they're going to listen to it, and now I'm not going to be able to sell him for anything, so thanks for this, guys. But Anytime. It was it was a trade bait move, and it was a he was right before you picked, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was close. I, I was, that's who I wanted he, to slip ex- back to me. Exactly. I was so pissed when you took him. When I hit my, In my head. Because I needed a wide exactly. out. Exactly. In my head, I was going, Chris, Chris, Chris. Trade bait, trade bait, trade bait. Mark yeah, the problem down. is is you're impossible to trade with. I hit you up, and I'm like, what do you want for Hollywood? You're I, like, I want Christian McCaffrey. I'm like, I, okay. Let's calm down. I've never said anything of the sort. But that was my, my big behind the scenes reason my into the mind of Ryan long after a few beers and a few, uh, uh, medicines was Hollywood Brown trade bait. And I think it's a worthy trade bait take. Fair enough. Fair enough. So let's uh, move forward here. Let's jump into these headlines. I'm going to hand things back over to Ryan and let him uh, steer the ship the way he does. Thank you for that, Chris. Uh, moving on to headlines. Our first big headline of the week, Leonard Fournette to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after being cuts. Nobody knew what the hell was going on, and then boom. Yeah, apparently no one wanted him. They couldn't find a trade partner for a fifth-round pick, a sixth-round pick, a seventh-round pick. No one wanted to take on his $4 million contract. They let him go. Tampa Bay, I know there was, like, rumblings when he was, like, looking for a place to sign. Like, Tampa Bay was one of the teams to pop up, but everyone kind of assumed Patriots. I was thinking Tampa, the Patriots, and honestly, a dark horse. I thought Pittsburgh might have been the one to kind of go off. So I was I was trembling because my the teams that I drafted had a lot of running back stock with that. Yeah, yeah. my thought was I thought that they might have, uh, depending on Carson's injury, might have went over to Seattle because they're a really big too. like power running team, and I feel like he would fit that mold easily with Chris Carson. Yeah, or San Fran was one of the teams in conversation too. So it was a weird thing, but he lands in Tampa. And I don't know how to play this. It's, That's the question. Is how do, What does this do with fantasy drafts happening right now? Like, this is the biggest draft weekend of the year. What does this do to Ronald Jones? What does this do for Leonard Fournette? Is he still worth that fourth-round pick that he was, you know, that you were paying for him? What We're, about Keyshawn Vaughn, young rookie? Like, I think we know what Keyshawn Vaughn does for him. It makes him irrelevant. He's droppable, in my opinion. Ooh, and... I would in in redraft. In redraft, obviously. Yeah, I, I don't think he's worth even a hold. 
Yeah, for me, I think it just the main thing is it hurts both of their stocks in Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette was a straight opportunity hog, and that's why he was somewhat decent in fantasy, but he was the worst efficient running back in the league. He was terrible after the reception. He had a lot of yards, but he also had a ton of carries. He's not going to get that amount of opportunity, and now that's just going to take away opportunities from Ronald Jones, who was supposed to be you know, their workhorse, and I hate you know, murky running back situations. It really scares me. So, you know, maybe it'll start to move Rojo down a little bit and he does take over that bell cow rule. But, you know, it's just a crapshoot there in Tampa. And I, I, I'm honestly going to stay more away from it than I was before. Which I agree with. And I think that, um, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It kind of, it kind of renders them both useless where it's like, now news has come out since and uh, Arians in a press conference today said this doesn't change anything for Ronald Jones. He's still the quote unquote guy. Granted, Bruce Arians is um his coach speaks a little uh <laughs> a little Yeah, he's a little wonky with he the He doesn't speak. tend to follow it. So I mean for me, I agree. It's not a backfield that I would like to be a part of. If you have already drafted and you are a Fernet or a Ronald Jones owner, my advice to you would be to hold suit and see what happens. Cause I do think that with Leonard Fournette coming to the team you know, with a week before the the game start, I do think we're you're gonna potentially get some good weeks out of Ronald Jones early in the year. Like if Ronald, if pay attention to week one, if you can, if you can afford to bench him, bench him, and see how his carries look out. And week two, they have a very favorable running back matchup. So I mean, I just I know that that's something to kind of look for. So, but I would definitely be just monitoring it. Yeah, that really it muddied the water in an already swampy, gross Florida lake. It's. I'm avoiding that at all costs. I don't want any part of that backfield yet. You know, they're obviously not worth his fourth round ADP right now. Like with that big question yeah. mark, that was already a big question mark with him. I'm going to be staying away from Fournette right now. Yeah. And if you drafted Fournette, you should have listened to the show. I told you <laughs> not to. <laughs> Moving on. Joe Mixon no longer having migraines. Fuck ibuprofen. Give him a bag of money. <laughs> That man got paid. <laughs> that man got paid. No more worried about holdout. He's safe to draft in all formats right I think now. it moves him up a little bit in his tears. Really? I, I do. I mean, well, I think that y- you have security now. I mean, you know. Yeah. I-, I like him more than I like Miles Sanders now, who's battling an injury. I like him more than I like, you know, just people in that tier. kind of gives him a little bump up, that four-year, $48 million contract. Yeah. Uh, moving on, David Montgomery banged up. I, th- I believe groin is what the issue was. He went down at that uh, non-contact injury, was carted off. Everyone made a big deal. It was end of the world in uh, Twitter. Then turns out it's really not that serious. The training facility was just a little too far away, and they didn't want to risk anything, so they sent him off in a cart. He'll be, he's going to miss two to four weeks expected. I don't know how huge of news that is, but, you know, it's definitely to be wary about on draft day. For me, I just I, – I think it, the worst thing about this situation is – is it skyrocketing Tariq Cohen up the boards? And I don't like that. I hate that a lot because I think he's a great late-round target because he's going to be decent to throw in at a flex spot in a necessary point, but not at the 6th, 7th, 8th round where I've seen him start to jump up now. So with that injury, it's very high chance of you know re-injuring it throughout the season, and you're going to have to pay an arm and a leg to get Cohen now. So I'm going to probably stay away from the Bears' backfield. Yeah, and year. Cohen's not... He's not David Montgomery. He's not that type of player. He's he's a receiving back. Like, he's a good flex in a full PPR yeah, league. He'll and he'll be like that regardless, I think. It's just now it really hurts that that backfield situation where P 
people are taking uh, Tariq Cohen higher than he should be, and he shouldn't be taken that high. He should be taken as a flex play. So, uh, moving on, more Eagles injuries. Jalen Rieger to miss four weeks with a season or with a blah, 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 shoulder injury. Uh, that sucks. To add on top of them losing, and uh, this and this was something we had for you guys last week, but unfortunately it got erased. But um, Dallas Goddard dealing with a hairline fraction in the thumb, and they lost another offensive lineman, Andre Dillard, for the rest of the season. And Jalen Rieger is also very, very unfortunate as well. Yeah, so that's a team that's already banged up. But Carson Wentz, you know, he can make things happen when there aren't guys around, but he's not a miracle worker either. So Zach Ertz, big bump bump for me. Other than that, I'm not liking anyone else there. I actually – oh, I'm sorry. Something. No, real quick, I just – as long as they keep Kelsey and he stays healthy, I would not, you know, write off any of the Eagles players yet because of the offensive line injuries. Did you Center, mean Ertz? No, no. Oh, you oh, – yeah, Jason Kelsey. Yeah, 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 Jason Kelsey, their center. I just think that – that is, like, the focal point. That's, like, the middle linebacker of the offensive line. You know, he's the one who communicates with everyone, gets everyone on the right page, and he's an all-pro. He's one of the best in the league. If he can stay healthy, their offense will do okay enough for their offensive weapons to produce. So, And if Wentz is healthy, too. I mean, yeah. he's, he didn't play in that scrimmage. He's I don't know if he's really banged up or if they're just, you know, precaution as this whole training camp has been. So... One person I want to talk about right now, one of my favorite late-round draft targets, I love what this does for Deshaun Jackson. I think Deshaun Jackson, this is, I mean, for my opinion, this is, you can get this guy in double-digit rounds. You can plug him into your flex play, your flex player, wide receiver three, week one. He's guaranteed to have probably the lion's share of the targets, and he historically roasts Washington, and he also historically goes nuts in week one. So somebody that can help you win a few games early on before he probably gets hurt and at that point, you know, but you didn't pay anything for him. So that's that's some, that's one of my favorite things that comes out of this piece of news. Yeah, he's definitely like a late-round target because of that situation. He's like a Brandon Cooks in a way where you're taking that deep bomb, like guy who couldn't put up 30 points week one, and then that's all you need from him. Now, I know we're trying to move a little bit quicker from this, but just I want to hold on here for one last second. Does losing the – I know you said you're not worried about them losing the line, but unless it's Kelsey – does this? They're now down a second starting offensive lineman. Does this do anything for you with Miles Sanders? He's also battling who is all zone. Yeah, like what? What is? Where's Miles Sanders in your tier of running backs right now? He's still in. For me personally, he's still in that like second to third tier. Like, you know, I'm, obviously McCaffrey's a tier of his own, so maybe like third or fourth tier. Where like I'm comfortable taking him, but I'm definitely like I'm taking Drake over him now. I'm taking Jacobs over him now. I was gonna ask. He's fallen. He's fallen down for me in that tier. Are you but taking Mixon over him? Yes. Are you taking Austin Eckler over him? No. Aaron Jones over him? Mm, no. So that's the line. That's the line for me. Is that a- Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not too off on Sanders. I feel like the when I'll start worrying is when they sign Devonta Freeman or when they sign, like, one of those veteran players or some guy who's, like, decent enough to, you know, give him a couple of weeks. I feel like that's when I'll be worried about Miles Sanders and his touches and his opportunities. But I'm not worried about Boston Scott. So I or still Corey think, Clement. I'm pretty sure Corey Clement's on like the Corey Clement's on the Steelers. Yeah, Steelers. Is he really? No, no, no. Smallwood's on the Steelers. Smallwood's on the yeah. Clement's still Clement's on the still, yeah. I was gonna say one of them got traded in the offseason. But yeah, until they make another move with that, I, I think I'll still be confident in drafting Miles Sanders pretty high um uh, towards the back end of the first, early second for sure. So yeah. Uh moving on. Damien Harris surgery on pinky finger may miss week one and already kind of like unknowing backfield in uh New England. I wasn't going there anyway. How do you guys feel about this with Harris? 
New England's backfield has been a roller coaster ride this offseason. It you really know, has. It started with, you know, oh, Sony Michelle's their guy. You know, he's going to get there. Rex Burkhead might get cut. And then they signed Lamar Miller, and Sony Michelle gets hurt again. And then, oh, Damian Harris is taking all the reps with the first team. Oh, now he's hurt again. Sony Michelle's back. Lamar Miller is, is getting work now. It's like, who knows? I was really excited for Damian Harris before because I think he has a lot of potential, and he's a great, like, later round kind of guy to pick up that might have a lot of upside. But, you know, Belichick loves to have guys he can be consistent and confident in playing. And, you know, if you can't even get out there for week one, that just makes me nervous that, you know, what if Sony does have a good game? What's the point of putting in Damian Harris then? So his downside is huge with missing this week because I think it's whoever has the hot hand is going to take over as the lead back in New England. So that's what makes me nervous with it. Which I don't really even think I would want the lead back in New England this year. Like, I feel like that's going to be a weird, crowded room. It's James White or bust for me. Anywhere on that team in that backfield, like obviously he's worth a flex spot in any type of PPR format because he plays like such a weird, unique position for himself. But other than that, I don't want any of their running running backs at all. Yeah, I'm if outside of James White, I'm completely out in this backfield. I don't want him at all. All right, moving on to our last bit of news, the big news of the week other than uh Oh boy. Alvin Kamara holding in. Holding in. He's going to be traded. He's not going to be traded. He's going to get a contract. He's not going to get a contract. He's going to show up and play. He's not going to show up and play. This sucks. This is right before big, big draft week. This is the weekend where everyone is who hasn't drafted yet is doing their drafts. This is grind time. And now one of the top four at his position going off the board is possibly not playing. This kind of feels like Zeke uh, last year when he was holding out to that last week. Only now he's going to be fined if he misses stuff. So. He kind of has to be there, but this really sucks if you're drafting this week. He also might. He also reportedly could be hurt with a back issue or something. I mean, I don't like. He had an epidural <laughs> recently. Like, I, this is 2020. Like, this is so fitting for this year that literally on the biggest draft weekend there is. A, like last year, we knew long before what was going on with Zeke. Like it was like, okay, Zeke's doing the holdout thing. Is he going to be there or not? We knew long before with Melvin Gordon. We knew. In previous years, coming up with Le'Veon Bell, like, but I mean, we knew two months ago with Dalvin Cook this season, yes. like, we knew four months ago with Joe Mixon that he might potentially not. Like, this really does suck if you're a Camara owner now because Latavius Murray is a viable running back as is. Like, he's going to be drafted in leagues no matter what before this. Now, after he might jump up a couple rounds, or he's already gone, you can't go and pick up your handcuff when you're worrying about this. Like, you have this to is, like invest like a seventh or a sixth round pick to get him at this point, I mean, which is concerning. And it's also like for the people that are taking him, like if Kamara's there, that's a, a big time reach. So it's really muddying the waters. Yeah, I hate everything about it. I love it for Michael Thomas. Love it for Michael Thomas. That I I'll tack on another two to three targets a game for him because of that. I think the one thing with Kamara though is. Him being so good and being taken in that top four, it's almost easier to get by if you haven't already drafted because there's guys that are up there in the first round that, you know, okay, I don't get Kamara, I don't get his elite upside, but, you know, I could still get, you know, a guy like Derrick Henry or a Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams, some guy who you know is going to be great week in and week out, where a lot of the other injuries, like towards the middle and later rounds, like, if you don't get that guy, you might be taking a shot, and he might not pan out at all. Where in the first round, you can find other guys. Yeah. So this is more of a, oh, crap, if you've already drafted. <laughs> so know, kind of thing. with that being said, Seto, where's the line for you? Like, obviously, you know, because as it stood before, 
it, it was basically a toss-up between like, okay, obviously we knew the big three, CMC, Saquon, Zeke, or Michael Thomas, but then it was kind of like Michael Thomas, Kamara. That was like the consensus. So like Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. I'm still going Kamara over Delvin Cook because I don't okay. think either of those situations are settled yet. Well, Cook's on the field. Cook's on the field and there. But he hasn't got a contract yet. So yeah. Derek Henry or Alvin Kamara? I, for me, I'm still going Kamara. What about you, Ryan? Uh, and in a PPR format? Half PPR. Half PPR, I'd still probably go Kamara, but real, real close. Are you so and like I know you're a big Kenyon Drake guy. Kenyon Drake or Alvin Kamara? That's tough. I'd still probably go Kamara, I think. Yeah, I just think his I'd talent go, I'd is I'd go there. Kamara over him. Then, okay, so it, it, it looks like for you guys, as far as drafting him wise, nothing's really changed. You're still taking him in like the top six picks. Probably, but I'm not happy with it. <laughs> I am not comfortable about it at all. Yeah, he, he's a guy similar to Dalvin, in my opinion. If I'm probably not going to, like like I was saying before, like if I have that fourth overall pick or the fifth overall pick, I might uh, you know go somewhere different with like a receiver or something like that. Um, but if I'm in the back of the first round and guys like Dalvin and Kamara are slipping, I'm definitely taking the chance that they're going to play and be a top five type of player. So Yeah, you just can't pass on that. And that's the news for you this week. Moving on, we have our wide receiver wankings. Rankings, not wankings. <laughs> <laughs> no wide receiver wankings here. No wide receiver wankings. <laughs> just a couple wanks. Just, just, just a little McCready talk. You bloody wanker. <laughs> we have a... Uh, we meant to bring this to you last week, and we did a really good episode on it, and I wish you guys could hear it because it was so awesome. Like, our points were just on fire and accurate. So It was by far the greatest episode that we've ever recorded in our entire life. Like, the it was the ceiling was just glowing when we were done. We would, we would be famous at this point, probably. Probably. Yeah, More li- than likely. But actually, like, for sure. The Library of Congress, like, hit me up and was like, hey, can we put that in there? And I'm like, oh, sorry, guys, it's kind of ruined, so... <laughs> Sorry, gang. But moving on, we have our wide receiver rankings for you this week and tight end. So starting with wide receiver, Chris, why don't you give me your 1 through 12 first? My 1 through 12. I just want to really quick bear in mind, I was just in the hot tub time machine. So, you know, I I, I might know a thing or two about the future. So, you know, that that thing goes both ways. Hope you dried off. But I got Michael Thomas, Shacker, at wide receiver number one. Devontae Adams coming in at wide receiver number two. We got Tyreek Hill, wide receiver three. Julio Jones coming in at wide receiver four. Chris Godwin. We got Kenny G coming in at wide receiver six. DeAndre Hopkins with his newly acquired Cardinals team at seven. OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr. at wide receiver eight. DJ Moore at wide receiver nine. And then rounding out my top ten is Cooper Cup. Were we going ten or twelve? Go twelve, go twelve. Yeah, so Cooper Cup at wide receiver ten. DJ Shark. A little bit of a surprise there at uh, wide receiver 11. And then rounding out the wide receiver ones is uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Okay. Seta, what do you got? All right. Starting with number one, I got Michael Thomas. Then it goes Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Amari Cooper, Cooper Cup, Calvin Ridley, Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, Julio Jones. At number 10, Odell Beckham. 11, Chris Godwin. And rounding out my top 12 is Nuke Hopkins, DeAndre Alrighty, and my picks are number one, Michael Thomas, shocker. Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyree Kill rounding out the top five. DJ Moore as my six, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, then Mike Evans at 10. Juju at 11, and Amari Cooper at 12. Who wants to okay. start with the... Who's got some points here? So, so go ahead, uh, one of you. Uh, 
All right, so I'll get started first. <laughs> um, honestly, for like a lot of these top 12s and even like the rest of the wide receiver rankings, it's not like I disagree with a lot of what you guys have in your rankings. It's I want to know the reasoning behind where they're at. So it's not a complete disagreement. So my first issue is with both of you guys um, is DJ Moore being in the top 10. And uh, I just, for me, I just like, I think um, I kind of explained this before, but he, there's just so many mouths to feed there. And with a new system, new um, QB, I just don't know if he's going to be able to have that amount of looks and targets and everything in that new Panthers offense. Cause I honestly, I don't know how it's going to look. So um, that's, I don't know. I'm just kind of a little curious on your reasoning, having him that high, Chris at nine and Ryan at six with DJ Moore. Uh, well, the real reason I have him there is because I think, especially last year with what he did, he's a show-up guy. He is a stud-wide receiver, and outside of McCaffrey, they don't have any options. You know, they have Curtis Samuels, eh, Robbie Anderson, eh, uh, Ian Thomas, eh. I want that stud-wide receiver, and he that's what he is. DJ Moore is a ball-getter. He is a get-up-there-and-get-it. He is a thousand-yard guy. I think he's going to really hit his, like, peak starting this year, and that's just more of a gut feeling thing than anything for me. So, and again, just for any new listeners, uh, this majority of our rankings are in half PPR format. That's something just to be very clear on, just so you know. For me, with DJ Moore, um, I just like the talent. I mean, they invested a first-round pick in him. I know it's not the same regime, but he still he has been emerging every single year. I want to highlight that this team just lost Luke Keekley. They have a bad defense, in my opinion. So I don't expect that defense to really be shutting people down, putting them in a passing situation. Definitely favors Christian McCaffrey. I definitely agree. You know, you got Christian McCaffrey taking a lot of targets. But I just think DJ Moore is a special player. And when you're a special player, you find your way to get to the ball, like to get the ball. Teddy Bridgewater last year, he had no problem supporting Michael Thomas. And I think DJ Moore is going to play a very similar role. I'm not saying DJ Moore is Michael Thomas, but it's a very similar role. And the one thing I really liked about DJ Moore last season is he put up the productive year that he had on four touchdowns. So this isn't a guy that I think you need to rely on having a eight to 10 touchdown season to crack into that top 10. So it's definitely something that couldn't happen. I'm not as high on him as Ryan, but I just I like the talent. I'm not as worried about Anderson. I'm not as worried about Curtis Samuel. I think they're very good football players, and they do great things for the team. They definitely open up the pass. They're going to spread the field well for him to be in the middle of the field. But I I just think DJ Moore is the best player on that team when yeah. it comes in the receiving game. Now you well as a wide receiver because obviously Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, but in 15 games last year, you know he had 135 targets with McCaffrey there, getting 100 plus targets that he got. They can feed two miles with Kyle Allen. With Kyle Allen, so I think with a I think Teddy Bridgewater is a decent enough quarterback that he's fine to start in the NFL and he's fine to get your guys the ball. I don't think he's going to be the wide receiver one this year, but I think with what you've seen with his potential, I think he's really going to reach his peak. Like I said, no, I definitely. I mean, I like DJ Moore as a player, and that was one of the guys that while I was doing a lot of my receiver um, projections and rankings, you know, I based it off of the QBs and what I think they're going to do, and I just I don't see him being able to crack that top 10 with the amount of opportunity. I have his opportunity going up from last year still, but I mean, Curtis Samuel had a hundred targets last year and Roby Anderson was their number one guy in New York. So I just, I think there's still going to be a lot of competition there, even though he is the clear guy. Um, but having a guy like McCafferty who can rip off a thousand receiving yards in your running back position, that's what always makes me nervous in those very competitive pass catching, you know, cores. But no, I mean, I like, I like DJ Moore a lot as the player. 
It just that the, the situation is what makes me more nervous. Yeah. I understand your yeah. concerns. So, Seta, I want to jump over to your rankings. You got Amari Cooper, a wide receiver four. I'd like to hear how. I, I don't get me wrong. I think Amari Cooper is a big time player. Do you just really think that there's gonna be like is Dak Prescott gonna really just is that team gonna elevate it into what it could be that high powered offense? And you think he's gonna lead that team? Yeah, I think um, Amari Cooper is a dominant elite receiver, and he's going to be playing in the best offense in the NFL, aside from maybe the Chiefs. And, you know, he's that number one option. He had about 160 targets leave his team this year from Jason Witten and Randall Cobb. I know they added C.D. Lamb, but he's not going to get 160 targets. So I can see his targets definitely going up slightly and getting into that 130, 140 target range, getting to that 100 catch range. And maybe his touchdowns will go up because I think their offense is going to be very, very good. So he had a lot of games last year, which made it hurt his average like fantasy points per game because he'd start the game and he'd come out. So as long as he can stay healthy, I think that he's going to have a very, very dominant, dominant season where he can win you weeks and he'll be consistent getting you 10-plus points a week every single week. Yeah, I described him as a boomer bus player a couple weeks ago when I made him my miss for – not for missing reasons, but because I didn't want him as my wide receiver one on my team. But keep in mind, the boom of Amari Cooper is top wide receiver potential. He could be the overall number one if he has his ceiling gear. I just, I don't love him that high, but I don't hate him there either, if that makes sense. So I just have a quick follow-up question. So hypothetically speaking, looking back to our draft, you know, you're in a position where you have the 101, you have Christian McCaffrey. Let's say it's a keeper league and there's a lot of good options being kept. For somebody that was in my position on that turn, when there's clearly not a lot of, are you comfortable taking Amari Cooper? And I know he has a fourth round ADP, but keep in mind, if you're drafting at the 101, you're not getting him in the fourth round because you're not going to get him at 412. Are you comfortable using that third round, that 301 pick on Amari Cooper? So it would definitely have to, I would have to see how the draft board lays out. Um, if he's my best receiver available, I think I would definitely think about it because I think that's where a lot of the good receivers start to go as in the back end of the second round with those like high upside guys. Um, I thought he was going to last. Like you said, he was a fourth round ADP. I thought he was going to rest to me when it wrapped back around at the 12th spot and I was going to be able to get him in the three, four turn. And that's, that is the hot spot. I think for Amari Cooper, if you're at the back end of the first round, you know, that nine, 10, 11, 12 spot, and you can get him in that three, four turn. I think that is the perfect landing spot because you don't have to go outrageously over his ADP and you'll still get a great return on the asset. Okay, bro. That, then I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. So since we're here, I'm just going to, if you don't mind, hog a little bit. I'm going to stay right where we're at. I'm going to move <laughs> back one spot. Yes. You got Cooper Cup at wide receiver number five. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Cooper Cup. I think he's a phenomenal player. But, you know, you got Rob, Robert Woods there. You got theirs rumored to go to the 12 set, which kind of removes him from the slot, which what seems to be where he thrives. I'm just curious why you think he's going to have a top five finish, because I think that's a little high for me. So for me, it's uh, mainly on his coaching and his staff. Uh, Sean McVay is one of the best offensive minds in football right now, and he knows how to get the best out of his players. So if, you know, schmucks like us can see that, you know, Cooper Cup doesn't really excel in the 12 set and he's more of a slot guy, he's their best player. On offense, he's going to move to that to get him the opportunities he wants. And also, he's one of those receivers that he's not that big, he's not that tall, but he gets every red zone look. He has the potential to really bust out as a top five receiver again, like he has shown in the past. 
And I just think the Rams as a whole, their team's going to be a little bit better this year. Um, they went to the Super Bowl two years ago, and last year they it didn't look like the same team. Jared Goff was the same quarterback who took that team there, and I think they're going to have a big bounce back year, and that's his guy. Cooper Cup's his guy. He's the hot read. He's the red zone look, and I think he has the potential to pop off for 10-plus touchdowns this year, just like Amari Cooper. Yeah, and like you were saying with McVay being like that offensive guru that he is, he's very adaptable. So if they don't come out into that 12 set this year and they start running like a different type of offense because they do switch up a lot, then Cooper Cup could be that top five wide receiver. But if they do stay with it, you know, from week 12's on, Cup was the wide receiver 15 and Woods was the seven. Woods was their go-to guy and Higby was their go-to guy. And Cup kind of fell back to a little bit. It's just, I think Woods a little better this year if they stick with that plan that they everyone seems to think they're going to. But if they do adapt and McVay is one to adapt, then I'd, I don't blame you for that. So real quick, I, I definitely agree with that point. And when they made that switch with uh, Higby and the 12 set, that was right around week 12, week 13. Gerald ever went down. This is this is Cooper Cubs game log from week 13 and on. He had 15.5, 12.5, 13.1, 11.1, 19.4. Had a touchdown in each of those last five games with Catching six of six targets, four of four targets, six of six targets, four of four targets. Like, this dude has mitts. Flat out baller. He, has he is mitts. Jared Goff's boy, too. Yeah, like and he's 100%. so that's that's right around the time where people said that he was starting to struggle a little bit. But I think it was because he's not getting those 30-point games that he was in the beginning of the season where if I can get a consistent 15-and-a-half from him every single week, that's perfect for me. And the confidence boost there is, uh, you know, you heard McVay come out because there was a little tiny nick on him where it caused him to miss some training camp time, and everyone was like, what's going on with Cooper Cup? And McVay in a press conference flat out said, if something was wrong with Cooper Cup, you would see how concerned and worried I looked. He's like, I'm not worried. Look, we're fine. Yeah. So, All right. Uh, another thing, I don't want to go on setup for three players in a row, but this one you can make quick. I think Calvin Ridley is your six over Julio Jones. I know your mindset, but expect. Explain me through your mindset there. Yeah, uh, real quick. I talked about Calvin a lot when I made him my hit earlier, um, you know, in the offseason. I just think Calvin Ridley's a stud receiver. And, you know, it's all about if he's going to get the amount of looks and targets that Julio Jones does. Julio's another year older. This is right around the time where Julio took the reins from Roddy White. And I just see the sim- situation looks so similar. And, you know, in fantasy football, it's not just looking at what happened last year and drafting that way. It's being able to adapt and being able to see what's coming in the near future. And this year is Calvin Ridley's year. He's going to take over. He's going to be in that first round ADP next year. And you guys are going to be so happy to have him on your roster this season. You know, the closer we get to the year, the more and more I'm starting to jump on this train, especially when you factor in that Calvin Ridley in the very beginning of last year was outscoring Julio Jones on a week-to-week basis before he got hurt. And, you know, it's like what you just said. You don't want to draft last year's best team. And, like, nobody – last year, everybody looked and saw the breakout season of Chris Godwin, but not one person was saying he's going to outscore Mike Evans. Nobody thought that, and yeah, he no. did. That's what he did. So, I mean, if you believe – that this is the year that the passing of the torch happens, it completely makes sense why you have this ranked that way. And I'm not really going to criticize you too much on that. My big concern with your rankings, and we're going to move, we're just going to do four here because you have Julio Jones at number nine. And I just, I mean, Matty Ice is known to sling, so I get it, but that, that's kind of a hefty prediction here to have a top six receiver and a top nine receiver on the same team. So. 
Yeah, I just think that Julio, he's dominant. I mean, he's consistent. He's going to get a lot of catches. Um, he's within a touchdown of scoring points to take over and be the number six for me with Calvin Ridley. Like, he's one touchdown away. I think Calvin's more of the red zone, red zone guy. So, very easily, if Julio has one extra touchdown than I'm projecting for, he could jump into the top five. I think they're both going to be dominant. One of the most pass-happy, efficient passing offenses in the league. And I have all the faith in Matty Ice to light it up this year because their defense is trash. And they're going to have to if they want to be competitive. Well, that's fair. Made some good points. Yeah. So, Ryan, what do you got for me? Uh, I don't really have too much of an issue with this, but you're the highest honest on this guy, so I want to talk about it. Odell Beckham at eight. So, I really think that we're going to see the resurgence of Odell Beckham Jr. this year. I think that, I mean, you hear a lot of reports that the chemistry is getting better between him and Baker. This He had a 1,000-yard year last year with a sports hernia and it's not like it's fake news because like we know it had he had surgery like you don't have surgery for an injury there's a lot of players that in my opinion will blow smoke and say oh I was hurt but it was really just kind of bullshit like he had a bad year he actually had surgery um factor in a better coaching system factor in another year with Baker Mayfield who I do think is going to improve my my issues with the Browns is not so much like the whole Baker Mayfield situation it's it's more of a lack of opportunity than it is the skill set of Baker. I do think Baker's a decent quarterback, and I do think he's going to utilize his best playmaker on the field, which, in my opinion, is Odell Beckham Jr. I do think it's going to be a run-heavy team, but I definitely think we're going to see Odell Beckham getting the lion's share of the targets there. Not to say I don't, you know, we'll talk about Jarvis in a little bit, but I think we're going to have a big bounce back here. No, I think I heard a stat earlier today, actually, that uh, Kevin Stefanski, when he was in Minnesota last year, Minnesota was like one of two teams who actually ran more running plays than passing plays. And now he comes over to Cleveland where he has a two-headed backfield of like straight-up savages, people that are amazing running backs. They're going to be a run-first team, like you said. With that in mind, what kind of season do you really see Odell Beckham having this year? Like, What are his numbers that you think he'll have this year? For me, I, I just look back at what Stavansky's done in Minnesota. He's housed two very, very good receivers when, in the most recent years with Adam Thielen and Steph Diggs. I think that... But they didn't have Cook when that was going on. Cook was always banged up. They had Cook last year. They had him last year, but was Thielen a top wide receiver last Thielen year? Thielen was hurt. Okay, so they I, never really had cross play. I, I, and I, I agree, but even with that team with, you know, with Thielen and Diggs, they were still a run-first team. But it just it's about an efficiency. And Odell Beckham, with the worst coach in history of coaching, was able to walk across a thousand yards and he only I think he had what, like four touchdowns? Like that and that's yeah. that's my biggest he, point. And it was one of them was on a quick slant, like and it went eighty yards yeah, 80 against yards the Jets. Yeah. yeah. So he's definitely gonna have more efficient and a more consistent season because you know, he walked across a thousand yards last year with Freddie Kitchens. Stefanski's gonna know how to scheme people open better because he has experience. He's done it with very, very good receivers who aren't as good as Odell and aren't as good as Jarvis. So I think that's kind of where it comes across, where they did it without the coaching last year. So I'm not that worried about the run-first mindset of Stefanski at all. And that's my he, – he took the words out of my mouth. That's the biggest thing. That's the reason that excels him forward is I looked back into Odell Beckham and a four-touchdown year for Odell Beckham, that's an outlier season. That's not what we're used to seeing from Odell Beckham. I have him bumped up to eight touchdowns. I still – I'm a little higher on him in yards. I have him going for 12, 13. So that might be a little bit on 86 receptions. That might come down a little bit, but I see an uptick on his touchdowns, and that's what excels him into that wide receiver one category for me. 
Yeah, he really does. He really did walk to a thousand yards last year. It did not seem like it, but then when you look at those numbers, at he the limped end of the year, to it. <laughs> it it was remarkable what he did while not ever getting the ball. Like the only time he ever caught the ball was on ten yard slants. It seems like and never you know housed that one and that was it. So it was a quiet year for him, and he was still putting up good numbers. So I can see us. Uh, a point where he's that high. Uh, anyone else got anything to talk about in the top 12? It looked like you had an issue with me and Chris Godwin. I don't remember what the issue was. Uh, you have him at five, maybe, which is, which is higher than I have him. Uh, I just think Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, slot guy. Yeah. Chance. Now, my to the other side of that coin, I have a slight issue with you. Mike Evans at wide receiver 10. I just And Godwin, number seven. Yeah. I, for me, I don't think Tom Brady is got the arm really to still utilize the outside receivers the way that he should, which is kind of what Mike Evans does. I don't know. I guess I could see a world where you would think that I just personally, I'm not that high on Mike Evans this year. No, I, mean, I could see why you wouldn't be. Cause like you said, Brady is that uh, short throw that get the guy, the ball as fast as possible when he gets in there. But he is also really good at finding the big targets in the end zone, his Gronks, his uh, Randy Moss from years ago, his what, name it Josh Gordon. Most recently, he finds those big body guys in the end zone who are real good at making those plays. And Mike Evans is one of those guys. He's one of the top in the league at hitting that open, get above a cornerback in the end zone type of touchdown guy. Yeah, the one thing I could say about Mike Evans, too, is this man has had a 1,000 yards receiving every year he's been in the league. So, honestly, I think I need to move him up my rankings because until he proves me that he can't do that, I don't know why I shouldn't believe he shouldn't. Like, he should be getting a 1,000 yards. Yeah. No, no matter what this year. Brady shouldn't scare you off of him. Mike, no, Mike yeah. Evans is a stud when it's on the field. I don't think he's going to get as many catches this year and as many yards, but I still think Brady's going to throw for – I think I have Brady for like 30 touchdowns. Like it's – Brady's going to find him. And if Gronk does go down to any injury, which, I mean, he's prone to in his career and he's prone to in this later age, Evans is going to eat up those at red zone targets. So I think Ed's on, uh, Evans is going to have a big touchdown year, slight degradation to the uh, yards. That's fair. I just wanted to hear your explanation on it. All right, moving on to our wide receiver twos. Uh, I'll start with this one just to get it off to the board. I have Robert Woods as my 13, Odell Beckham 14, Terry McLaurin, Cooper Cup, Thielen at 17, Tyler Lockett 18, A.J. Brown 19. And... Sorry, this... You want me to keep reading? Stefan Diggs at number 20, Jarvis Landry <laughs> at number 21. Calvin Ridley, 22, Keenan Allen, 23, Cortland Sutton, 24. Sorry, Google Docs or Google Sheets was really screwing with me there. I wouldn't scroll to the right spot. That was embarrassing. <laughs> Chris, I, think, I think this is the roast Ryan episode. Could, I I'm okay with it. I, yeah. Just get it out of the way. I'm fine with it for now. I'll take my beatings. I'll take his legs. So, for me, wide receiver 13, I got uh, Robert Woods. Then I got Amari Cooper. Tyler Lockett at wide receiver 15. Allen Robinson at wide receiver 16. We got Calvin Ridley coming in at wide receiver 17. Somebody I need to move up. A.J. Brown coming in at wide receiver 18. Terry McLaurin at wide receiver 19. Keenan Allen at wide receiver 20. Mike Evans, wide receiver 21. Somebody I'm content exactly where he's at. And Adam Thielen, wide receiver 22. Hollywood Brown at wide receiver 23. And we got Marvin Jones rounding out my wide receiver twos at wide receiver 24. All right, and for me, uh, number 13, I got Scary Terry McLaurin. Number 14, Tyler Lockett. 15, DJ Shark. 16, DJ Moore. Adam Thielen, DK Metcalf, Devontae Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster, Cortland Sucken, Robert Woods, Mike Evans, and rotting out my wide receiver twos at number 24, Mr. Jarvis Landry. All right. All right. 
Uh, let's see what we got here. Chris, my issues with you. I don't think I wrote any issues with you on here. I got one quick one, Ryan. So we talked about my take and the good thing in Cooper Cup. Um, what's your reasoning with having him so low? Wide receiver 16. Yeah, that was a lot lower than I thought he would end up on my boards. But like after just running the numbers and running the numbers, if they stick to that type of offense that they ran last year, I, I read him off earlier. You know, Cup was the wide receiver 15 during that time while Woods was the 7. I think Woods will be the better wide receiver this year if that's their game plan. He's just... Woods had two touchdowns last year that really hurt his end of season, and he still finished as a top wide receiver. So I think Woods will be the better option to have there. But if they do switch up to anything and Cup does become that favorite target of golf again, then you can completely flip their numbers, and I think it'll be okay. That's fair. That's fair. So with um, Ryan, I'm looking over at your rankings, and I just want to highlight something really quick while we're there. And this is something, honestly, I'm I'm a little bit guilty of this too. I've been thinking about this, and I've, this is a guy I've been rising on significantly. I know you have not been because you made him one of your misses. You have A.J. Brown at wide receiver 19. A.J. Brown at wide receiver 19, correct. That's who I was going to mark for Chris to talk about. Well, we're already here. And now I just Both of highlight. you explain yourself. Well, and my point is, and like I said, I, I've been – drastically rising on A.J. Brown. This is a guy that, like, he profiles everything you want in a wide receiver one. The dude is a tank. He's huge. He's a beast. He can go up. But my complaint to you, Ryan, is if you circle back, which, you know, the time machine's gone. They, they took it back. I don't have it anymore. Um, it was kind of a one-day rental thing. But <laughs> you got Ryan Tannenhill as a back-end QB1. I think QB11, if I'm not mistaken. You QB were the 11, highest correct. in the room on Ryan Tannenhill. But you my have A.J. Brown... At wide receiver 19, you don't have Corey Davis in your top 36. Spoiler alert, you don't have Jonu Smith in your top five at tight ends. Where do you th- – is, is Ryan Tannehill going to have a 1,000 rushing yard season? Yeah, I guess he's the next Mike Vick. You know, I think I think Tannehill's going to have a lot more with his legs, but I think it'll be more running back options. It will be – I don't. I think I have A.J. Brown for a bunch of touchdowns, but also only on 60 catches. And I'm getting this isn't just roasting you because I'm guilty of this too. Yeah. I, but I, I'm fully admitting, you know, I'm rising significant like David Blaine holding some balloons. I'm rising on AJ Brown. All right, let me ask you guys a question here. All right, so you guys are on the board. You need a very good upside receiver. Say you got, you know, one of the consistent guys earlier and you got two running backs. You're looking receiver in like the fourth, fifth round. And there's guys like AJ Brown, DJ Shark. Terry McLaurin, or Hollywood Brown. Where in the order are you guys taking those young, possible breakout guys? DJ Chark, Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown, Hollywood Brown. No, Terry McLaurin, DJ Shark, AJ Brown, Hollywood Brown. That's okay. Yeah. I, I was just curious. I just think that, like, out of all those young guys, I want AJ Brown the least. It's well for yeah. me. It's volume. It's for like I think that AJ Brown, AJ Brown, in my opinion, out of those receivers. I would throw between it would be hard for me to decide between him and Terry McLaurin who is the best receiver in that group. And when it comes to just being wide receiver, you know, Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, throw one of those guys in there. I think it'd be very hard cuz those I think they're both phenomenal receivers. But when you factor in Jacksonville and Washington, these are high pass volume teams, so that volume bump is what pushes them a little bit above. I do think AJ Brown talent-wise is a better receiver than Hollywood and um well, and DJ Chark. Okay, yeah, I was just curious because, like, I mean, I think you guys know my take on the Titans. I think they're going to be trash this year. I think Tannehill's going to be bad. So I don't think any other skilled players are going to be that good. 
because of that opportunity. I just don't think there's going to be a lot there. Um, so that's where I kind of come down on AJ Brown. I think he's more of a of a like a you know a dart throw pick to maybe have that upside. But I, there's no chance for me personally drafting that early. I would ever think about AJ Brown. He was the wide receiver three from week eleven on, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on the time frame, but I'm pretty sure from the wider from week eleven to the end of the year, he was wide receiver three on the year. Oh, don't get me wrong. If I'm talking crap about him right now, you will still find him in most of my DFS lineups come the season because <laughs> he is a bomb waiting to go off. And we also know that you don't hold true to any of your takes here since you uh, decided to draft Hollywood Brown. I like to spread out my news. I like to spread out my teams. I like to spread the wealth to all the players. I don't discriminate. Uh, any other issues we got here, guys? How do you have Calvin Ridley at wide receiver 22? You know, that's a real problem as I was looking at that after Seta talked me into him last week that we didn't get to air and after he talked me into him again this week. I love Calvin Ridley. and I don't know why he is so low on mine. I might have to re-double check those numbers. He's only a few points off from being like a little higher and it's just, if he does boom, like he could boom, he is everyone's like prime like wide receiver prospect this year, right? Like any writer you read, anything like before the season, before drafts, we're talking, Calvin Ridley was that big name guy that they're like, jump, jump, jump. And he really could be. If he stays on the field, he is a flat-out stud. I think I do have to rise him up my board somehow. I'll yeah, find I'm, gonna, I'm rising work. on him for because sure. Because there really is no reason that I should have him behind a guy like Stephon Diggs right now at all. All right, well, Chris, I got a question for yours. Um, two spots ahead of A.J. Brown. Um, you have the target and reception monster in Chicago, Mr. AR-15, Allen Robinson, how could he be so low? Well, I wouldn't call him low. I think wide receiver 16 is very respectable. I mean, but so, and if we're talking full PPR, he definitely skyrockets up because he's a target monster. You're not wrong. I love Allen Robinson. I've been a long time big fan of Allen Robinson. I think the talent of him is amazing. Um, I don't really have too many bad things to say about him. The reason why I have him where I'm at him is just, it's really because I just like some people in front of him situation a little bit better. I mean, he's Tyler Lockett. I got one spot in front of him. Tyler Lockett's a low key superstar. He is Russell Wilson's favorite target. Russell Wilson. Those are much more efficient targets that are coming his way. Um, I do think we're going to see a little bit of a back and forth this year at the quarterback position. And I don't, it doesn't matter how good you are. I understand this is a guy that's made a lot of successful seasons here with quarterbacks like Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky, but you got to talk about rhythm because yeah, Blake Bortles was terrible. He was his quarterback for the full year. Mitch Trubisky was terrible. For a majority of last year, he was his quarterback. When you're Mitch Trubisky for three weeks, and then you go Nick Foles for two, and then you go Mitch Trubisky for three more, and then you go Nick Foles for six, it just kind of throws off the chemistry. That's something that I think might happen for him this year. So that's kind of where why he fell where he fell. Um, I absolutely think that he could emerge and be back into that wide receiver one category like he did last year. It's something that I could see happening. I mean, something that... I think we should highlight real quick in this middle section of the wide receivers, because it's like this for all of our rankings. All of them are just so close. I mean, if you take, I mean, I have Tyler Lockett at 195.5 points. I have Allen Robinson at 194.8 points. I got Juju Smith-Schuster by wide receiver 12. He's got 197 points. You give Allen Robinson one more touchdown, boom, he's a wide receiver one. And it's like that for most of these guys when you get to these middle tier yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Um, I know, Ryan, I think you had a point on Allen Robinson, so I'll let you go right after. But my whole thing with Allen Robinson is I feel like, especially with a Montgomery injury, like he's like their guy. Like He's like the only guy on Chicago I'd feel confident giving the ball to. So that's where I feel like he might have like a little bit bigger upside than where you have him at. 
Yeah, most a lot of wide receivers can be described as like matchup proof or whatever. Uh, Allen Robinson's quarterback proof. He is. That dude has never had a good quarterback throwing in the ball, and he still went on the field is a flat-out baller. So give me 16 games of Allen Robinson. Give me a wide receiver one all day. Now, the one thing to highlight, though, with Robinson is, you know, he. I know he had an amazing year last year, and I'm not taking away from him, but prior to that, he did have some rough seasons. Now, describe rough season. Well, okay, let me get to that. I know he was banged up a little bit, too, when him and Allen Hearns were in was it Jacksonville for his first few years? He got hurt. Well, he had the wide receiver six year, his second season in Jacksonville, which is really what his breakout year. But since that year, the following season, he finished as the wide receiver 24. The year after that, he got hurt. He ended up being complete. It was, he got hurt on like the first play of the year. So it was completely relevant. Yeah, but then after yeah. that, he was the wide receiver 40, which was his first year in a new system. Wide receivers tend to struggle. Look, how many games out. was that? Um, I believe it was, it was 13. It was his first year in Chicago. Oh, okay. So, look, I'm not – if you're in on Allen Robinson, I don't think you have any reason not to be. I'm not telling anybody to not draft Allen Robinson. I think Allen Robinson's worth his ADP. It's just for me, there's some guys that I think have a little bit of a better opportunity to move ahead of him. But it's – he's a phenomenal wide receiver. No, I could agree. I mean, he's just classic consistent guy. He's not going to blow you away with, you know, four touchdowns in a game. But he'll get you eight catches, 85 yards, and maybe a touchdown in there. Yeah, exactly. He's – very consistent, so I just traded for him. So <laughs> that really that really improved my opinion of him. I, I mean, I've always loved him. So, but All right, any other issues here, guys? Um, Seta, you got Robert Woods at wide receiver twenty two, but to me that kind of makes sense because you have Cooper Cup so high. Yeah, another thing I do have with Seta is uh, Juju Smith Schuster at twenty. Yeah, I think uh, Juju he kind of falls into. Um, you know what I was talking about earlier with there's with uh, DJ Moore. I just think there's. So many mouths to feed. I know Big Ben's coming back. Their offense is going to be better. Um, but I, I really like Deontay. I really like James Washington. Chase Claypool's been lighting up the camp. James Conner. They got a, Benny Snell. They, they have a lot of guys. And, yes, Juju is the clear best guy there. However, Deontay Johnson could pop off and become better than Juju this year. Like, he had a terrible season while Deontay had a pretty solid season with Duck Hodges and Mason throwing him the ball. To be fair, he was hurt, though. I know. Juju was banged up. After, I think it was the second week he literally got banged up. Yeah. It was actually the first week. His oh, was first it? opening opening night and, against. And it, it was an ankle, right? Yeah, so that's second quarter, injury. too. It was very early. <clears throat> no, see, I, I could definitely see it happening. I just think that the Steelers' offense is going to be solid this year, but it's going to be way more balanced. Uh, not like run-pass balance, but like getting everyone the ball balanced. And I think that's why Juju may take a little bit of a hit. Whereas in... You know, last year before he got hurt, he was the guy. No one knew who Deontay Johnson out of Toledo was, you know. So that's why he was going in the first round. You thought he was the main target there. So I just think that his situation, they're, they're, they got good players, you know. So that's where I kind of come down on Juju. All right. Well, makes sense to me. <clears throat> Anything else you guys want to talk about before we move on? No, I think I'm good there in the wide receiver tiers. All right. Uh, Seta, since you didn't go first yet, why don't you give us your wide receiver threes to end this out? All right, starting at number 25, or, yeah, 25, I got Tyler Boyd, then Stefan Diggs, Will Fuller, Julian Edelman, Keenan Allen, Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Rieger, Darius Slayton, Deontay Johnson, T.Y. Hilton, Golden Tate, and rounding off at 36, Mr. Preston Williams. Now, these were done a little bit ago, so I imagine you haven't updated because of the Jalen Rieger news. Does he drop down out of that for you? Yeah, I think I definitely, I mean, when I do my projections and stuff, I don't like to project you know, injuries. However, he is going to miss at least 
two to three weeks with that shoulder injury. So he'd probably lose a little bit of points and stuff and drop out. But I still think he has the possibility to be their number one target aside from Ertz and Philly. So I still like him a lot as well with IU. It's a pretty similar situation. He's banged up with a hamstring. I still like his upside though. All right, Chris, give me yours. Oh, unless you had a point against. Well, I think one thing we didn't really touch base on in the news section is, you know, Jalen Rieger out for four weeks. Well, right now. So he'll probably miss three weeks of the actual season. Are you clearly said is, are you still in on drafting Jalen Rieger? Because I'm personally not. No, I was never in on dra- drafting Rieger, really. I, I see, I would I would have took him, but now with this injury, I, I really don't want. I mean, rookies that tend to get off to a slow start, that's, I'm not saying it's a world where that can't happen, but like by the time he comes back, you're going to see Alshon Jeffrey back on the lineup. You're going to see a chance for Greg Ward to get off to a decent start, which, you know, I mean, that's whatever I. Yeah, I'm not worried about Greg Ward fair, taking his but his touches and receptions. It's and just stuff. there's a lot of playmakers on the team. Sean Jackson. You know, you got Sean Jackson, you got Goddard, you got Ertz. Ertz. I mean, it's just and Miles Sanders is going to eat up targets too. So I'm personally, I'm not drafting Jalen Rieger. Yeah, I'm in that boat as well. All right, Chris, give me yours. So wide receiver 25, I got T.Y. Hilton. Then I got Will Fuller all day. <laughs> and then we got uh, Cortland Sutton at wide receiver 27. Then we got uh, Stephen Diggs. DK Metcalf at wide receiver 29. Devontae Parker with his secret injury at wide receiver 30. Jarvis Landry, wide receiver 31. Michael Gallup, 32. Julian Edelman at wide receiver 33. We got A.J. Green. And then we got the rookie, Jerry Judy, sneaking his way into the wide receiver threes at wide receiver 35. And we got Sterling Shepard, who's going to round out my wide receiver threes. All right. And for me, I got T.Y. Hilton as 25 as well. Same as these. Devontae Parker at 26. D.K. Metcalf. D.J. Shark at 28. 29, A.J. Green. 30, Will Fuller. 31, Hollywood Brown. 32, Tyler Boyd. Marvin Jones, my man, at 33. Julian Edelman, 34. Gallup, 35. Shepard, 36. Sterling Shepard. Now, who has the first issue that they'd like to bring up on these wide receiver threes? I'll start. So, uh, Seta, you got Tyler Breed. At wide receiver 25. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I honestly, I like Tyler Boyd. I think he's a very solid, um, consistent receiver. And, you know, he's he's ripped off a couple thousand-yard seasons over the past few years. He gets a lot of targets, a lot of receptions. And even last year when he was playing with, you know, the, the you know. Was it Finley, Andy, Ryan Finley? A- Andy Dalton, yeah, Ryan Finley. Like, those guys were so bad. Their offense was so bad. But he still like came out and had a pretty decent season, and I think that the the thing that makes me as high on Ty, on Tyler Boyd as I am is I have no confidence in AJ Green finishing a season. So I just think that Tyler Boyd is their number one option, and as soon as AJ Green does fall down, he's like their only option. So I just think that Tyler Boyd has a lot of potential with you know and you know Joe Burrow coming in, their offense is going to be more efficient than. You know, with Andy Dalton, I think Joe Mixon has another year in that system and he's going to start to, you know, play a lot better, which is going to leave a lot of the receivers open. So I just think that Tyler Boyd's a good, consistent, little bit later round guy who you could plug in and play at your wide receiver three, two, or even a flex if you need to. Yeah, it's really just a high floor play, to be honest. It's nothing like shiny and flashy, but it's someone that, you know, is reliable points. So here's the reasons why I don't like Tyler Boyd. And for the record, I have him all the way down at wide receiver 44. A little bit of that's personal from previous years of where he he hurt me. So I'm not going to line that. But if you take away the personal bias, I still I don't like him. So, and here's why. Last year, and similar to the year prior, 
he received a 25% of his team's entire market share. That warned a wide receiver 18 finish in, I want to say, I think it was half PPR that I looked at, where if you look at other guys like Allen Robinson, somebody we talked about, Julian Edelman, somebody that, you know, consistently, other, and then Keenan Allen, who warned similar market shares. They put together a wide receiver six, a wide receiver seven, wide receiver eight finishes. I don't expect Tyler Boyd to still get that 25% of his team's target share. He does have a new quarterback that's going to be building rapport with everybody. Despite what we feel and how what we think about A.J. Green, the fact is A.J. Green's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. If he's on the field... He's a Hall of Fame talent. He, I don't know with his career if he's actually in the Hall of Fame. He's very good is he what is. I'm saying. He's a, good, he's a great player when he's on the field, for yes. sure. And if he's on the field, they're going to manufacture targets for him. They just invested in the A.J. Green replacement, T. Higgins. That was a high-drafted wide receiver early in the second round. They have Auden Tate, somebody that is exploding in training camp. They got John Ross is supposed to be there. Joe Mixon is supposed to get targets along with Gio Bernard. I don't see... 25% of the targets going to Tyler Boyd. This was a team that really struggled with receive, with injuries at the receiver position last year. They did not have a lot of people to hold up. He was kind of the only body there. And I get what everyone's saying with Andy Dalton and the Finley thing, but the thing is, he hurt me because I had him on my team and I was watching some of the games. A lot of the passes that he missed, they were catchable balls. So I... My whole thing on is I absolutely see him getting less of his team's market share. And if he's pulling wide receiver 18 finishes with 25% of the entire team's targets, if he if that number dips to 18 or 17%, where does that put that finish? For me, it's not the top 36. Now, but, I, but you said he finished at wide receiver 18, right, with that 25%? With 25% of the team's entire market share. Without A.J. Green, without T. Higgins, with Auden Tate being young and emerging with the, basically his first year on the team, with John Ross fighting injury, which he tends to do so. He probably will do more of this year. But what if he doesn't? You know what I'm saying? We don't know. Yeah, I just think it's more of a – I think they're going to be – they're not going to hold anything back from Burrow. They're going to let Burrow go out there and throw the ball as much as they can make him. Like, they're going to use Burrow's talents to his favor and – uh, Tyler Boyd's somebody who has an ability to get wide, to get open. He's always open up the middle. He's always open, like right there, hitting those crossing routes right through the middle. He's like that linebacker killer. Like he's gonna get the ball and just go down right there. That's how he leads to those like almost hundred catch seasons. It's, I think Boyd's going to be a reliable guy for Burrow moving forward, and I think he's safe where he's at. And you see, I actually. I think that Burrow's looking good. I like Burrow. I definitely think he's going to throw more than your average rookie quarterback, but at the same time, he is still a rookie quarterback, and they do have a dominant running back, so I just don't see where they're going to just let him completely sling. They're going to try to win games. So so, so I definitely could agree with you a little bit on how he played last year, and that's when you're saying he was dropping a lot of catchable balls. Yes. Yeah, so I definitely could agree with that, watching a few of the Bengals games. Um, however, in 2018, I mean, he caught 75% of the – his targets like it's not like he's never been able to do that so even if his target share does go down slightly I think his you know his catch percentage with the amount of targets he's been receiving he can still live up to that you know top 30 receiver and he just I just feel like their offense is gonna be a lot more efficient with him and it's not like he's completely target dependent 
Yeah, and like and like the reason I there's a name next to him in your list and a name not ne- or a letter not next to him on Ryan's list is because you have him at wide receiver twenty five. That's right on the rim of being a wide receiver too. You have him over guys like Stephen Diggs, Will Fuller, Keenan Allen, and you know it's T Y Hilton. It's just if you had him down in from in anywhere between like thirty two to thirty six, I probably would have just let it go. I just I think that's too high because I don't see him getting back to that target percentage. No, and I could see that. And, I mean, my main reasons for Diggs and Allen being lower is new situations, new, new, QBs. new QBs. So yeah. it's going to take a game or two for them to at least get somewhat decent rapport. Um, Kurt Warner said, you know, earlier in the offseason, it takes a full season for a quarterback and receiver to completely gain trust with each other. And you kind of saw that last year with the Browns. I mean, with Odell Beckham, yeah, man. with Jarvis. I mean, he was hit. Baker was hitting Jarvis in the chest, in the, in the hands, everywhere he was on the field. But for some reason, he couldn't find Odell open. And I just think it's going to take a little bit for them to come along. Whereas in Tyler Boyd, yeah, he definitely has a new QB, but he was their focal point of the offense the past two seasons. So I just think he's definitely going to have opportunity. And what he does with it, that is up to the question because as of recently. He's just been a solid, you know, catch, go down guy. But if he can turn up that yards per reception after, you know, he definitely has upside. Does anyone else hate doing wide receiver rankings as much as I do? Does anyone feel like that's like the real challenging part of doing this? Yeah, I just, for wide receivers, it's it's almost like a, not really a crapshoot, but on any given week, you know, A.J. Green could week one have two touchdowns for 130 yards and Tyler Boyd could have a catch. And then the rest of the season, once A.J. Green pulls his hamstring again, could turn up to be a wide receiver 12. So it's like, it's it's tough to see because they're the most injured positions, it seems like, and they're the most up and down because there's so many people blocking for their same opportunity. It's not like a running back who you know is going to get 15 to 20 touches. Wide receivers can go games without getting, you know, eight-plus targets. Yeah. I don't know. I think kickers is my... Uh, kickers and defense. But kickers is very hard to stat out. I bring that up because... Looking at Seta's list here, nothing I have an issue with, just something that really piqued my interest is you have two Giants wide receivers in your top 30, uh, and it's not the same one that me and Chris have in our top 30. You have Darius Slayton and Golden Tate both. You have Slayton at 32 and Tate at 35, where me and Chris both end our list at Sterling Shepard at 36. Now, that situation is really weird because it really could be any one of those guys. I think... I personally think that uh, Sterling Shepard is like the safer play there, which is why he made his way into my list. But Slayton was that guy to emerge last year, and Tate's always old reliable. So, Yeah, for me, where it comes down on the Giants and their whole situation, very similar to DJ Moore, how I explained. I think they have a lot of guys who are good and decent that can eat into each other's targets. Um, Sterling Shepard hasn't had that great of a season since Odell left. And I think that he really benefited from having – double, triple teams on Odell, whereas in last year, Darius Slayton had eight touchdowns, and Golden Tate still was solid when he was on the field, especially, you know, he he was banged up a lot last year, but when he was on the field, he was solid. So I just think that those two are going to eat into each other's targets a lot, and if I had my top 40, you would see Sterling Shepard at 37, 38. So he's, like, very close, um, and he could jump in there. I just, I'm more confident in Slayton getting the touchdowns and Tate being more consistent as long as he stays on the field. All right. I can't argue it. It really is confusing. Like that giant, especially that Giants wide receiver, none of them are super great, but they're all good. And yeah. Daniel Jones is an emerging quarterback. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's even more similar to the Panthers because they have that dominant running back who is very, very good at catching the ball. 
like Saquon, CMC, those type of running backs, like they can easily take over games and have a big reception that goes 80 yards, and then they're up 14 points, and they might not even need to pass it anymore. So it's those situations are scary. Um, if you hit on the one, though, you'll definitely do well. So that's where I come across with the Giants. Okay, fair enough. Seto, what do you got for me? Um, I just have. I'm just a little curious. You got Jarvis so low. Um, you know, you, you had a thousand yards with a broken hip last year, but you got him down at uh, wide receiver 31. Uh, so I just a little curious on what you think he's gonna if he's gonna take a massive drop in his production or why is he so low? So this is very similar to your Rams situation with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. It's more so I'm projecting the Browns to be a very run first team, which is why there's this, which is why the gap's bigger, but. I'm calling for the resurgence of Odell Beckham. So naturally, you're going to see a dip on the other pass-catching options. I do think Jarvis Landry's still going to have a respectable season. I still got him down for 97 catches. I still have him down for 942 yards. I don't think he's going to quite hit that 1,000 yards this year. But um, I do think he's going to have a low touchdown total because historically he does. I only have him for five. So that's really where it's at, though. I just think Odell Beckham is going to really take over as the number one plus Jarvis Landry's coming off of an injury. You know, there was a lot of up in the air status. I know that now it's confirmed that it looks like he's going to be back for week one, but he's still coming off that injury. So I think he could also get off to a slow start. That's really all it is. You don't think he's going to get to a thousand? No, I think he's, I have 942 yards. He's right there, but not quite there. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get I'll to a thousand. I'll take that bet. Ooh. I'll make that bet. I'll take that bet any we, day we, of the week. We betting over here? We betting over here? Someone mark it. All right, over got, under a thousand yards for Mister Juice Landry taking the over. What's the wagers here? What are we uh, putting on the board? So I don't even think we've decided yet as a group, like what our bets and wagers going to be. That might be something that you guys can help us with. Ooh, I like the idea of that. Yeah, you listeners don't like the idea. You're Get involved. Have Twitter, tell us what to do. Yeah, no tattoos. <laughs> See, for me, no, yeah, nothing that can permanently. Harm us from getting employment. Yeah, I don't want to else. ruin my <laughs> life over Jarvis Landry not getting a thousand <laughs> yards. But something that, you know, will be embarrassing and make us miserable for the embarrassing, day. Embarrassing, like, you know, like take a milkshake to the face or something like that. Along the lines of that. Have to jump in Lake Erie on in December or something. I'm I don't not know. doing that. <laughs> I know you're gonna have to when Jarvis gets a thousand. I'm not so. jumping into Lake Erie, period. You know what's in that water? Yeah, we I got guess, our guess, our hockey teams named the monsters for a reason. <laughs> very true very true so yeah thanks uh listeners keep listening and uh let us know these uh bets what we should pay out but first one of the records Jarvis yeah, so landry over under a thousand yards yeah we're gonna I'm think of a couple under. options um maybe put up a poll or something later on this week or early next week how we can satisfy these bets and if you guys have some write-ins that you think will be better you know we'll definitely listen to those Send as well come on in all right. We're here for you. What are the issues we got with this back half of the or back end of the wide receivers, guys? I got a huge one, like like a huge one. I can't even like. If you're like gonna say number twenty eight for Ryan, I agree. Yeah, like it makes me mad. I look at it like it deserves a little John. What? And I, I look it at this. That at all. Oh, it does. You got DJ Shark, DJ Shark, do 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 do, at wide receiver twenty eight. Yeah, I Please. got him on a. Please explain yourself. Garbage team. And with losing Fournette now, I don't think that helps his case at all. Is Allen Robinson on a garbage team? Yes. Allen Robinson's a better wide receiver. Allen Robinson's a stud. I think Allen Robinson and DJ Chark are similar wide DJ Chark has had one year of maybe he could be good. But he's the clear-cut guy in an offense where that has one of the worst defenses in the – in my opinion, the worst defense in the league – 
there is he's Gardner Menchu's solidified boy where like you know that he's going to get peppered with targets the same way Robinson is and I don't see a world this guy's a PPR monster I'm all over Alan, or I'm all over DJ Chark this year right, so, real quick Ryan what's your uh, thought on the uh, football team on the football team. Yeah, the Washington football team. Oh, Washington you're talking about that football team. Yeah. The football team. What's your thoughts on that team this year? I think they're a garbage team. The potato skin. So they're a garbage team. Terry McLaurin can be ranked 15th. With Dwayne Haskins. With, yes, Dwayne Haskins. But DJ Shark's 28th on another garbage team. With Gardner Minshew. Yeah. Gardner Minshew's better than Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> Did you see the montage? Did, did you see the highlights from training camp? The reason I have Terry McLaurin so high? Did you see the montage of Gardner Menchie? I did. I almost took him 101 the other night to get myself a case of shitty beer. You want to do another bet here real quick? I'd be... Dwayne Haskins over Gardner Menchie? Oh, that's easy. I'll take that one all day. Like Will Fuller all day. I am rising on Dwayne Haskins. I don't think Gardner Menchie is anything. I think he's real-life Randy Marsh. And I think he's going to peter out. He's a sixth-round pick. He wasn't supposed to be the guy. He fell into that spot. He's just a placeholder until they get uh, their next quarterback. So... So, I don't think they're going to be special. Losing Fournette doesn't help. They're not a good team. They are tanking. I honestly tanking. agree with all of your points, Ryan. I just think I'm a little concerned with how far away you have Scary Terry and DJ because I feel like they're both in very, very similar situations. Similar. So that that's where it comes. It's not like, oh, you have Terry too far. You have D, uh, DJ so low. It's more of a – that is. it just reminds me of a same situation. They're both bad teams. They're both – going to have to play from behind and so that's where i kind of come across it what are the other football team receivers do you know andy golden steven sims jr and then antonio gibson is going to be going out there a decent amount so that's a lot of questions right what are the other jacksonville jaguar receivers cd westbrook chris who's hurt uh lavisca chenault lavisca on the show i think there's just a lot of question marks on both teams there's a huge amount so i'm i'm putting my gamble on the on the uh, Washington football team. Okay, that's you fair. Guys can put yours on the Jaguars. I'd- hey, hey, I'm not saying I'm all in on the Jags. I was just curious on, you know, if that's your reasoning with having him low, why you had him so high. So that, it's yeah, fine. He just, he just has to prove more to me. You so know, maybe it's a little Ohio State bias. Maybe it's a little whatever you want to call it. I need more prove it out of DJ Shark than I do out of Terry McLaurin. So just to be clear here, we're going your league scoring format, which is six point passing touchdowns. Correct. We can go any. Format you want. You want to go that? Six point mean, just to make it easy because yeah. we're already monitoring that league. Yeah, that's fine. So Gardner Menchu versus Dwayne Haskins. I got Gardner Menchu. And I got Dwayne Haskins. Oh, you just, that's that was a give me. Uh, oh, I can't, I can't wait. wait to play this at I the end of the year. wait to pay that out. Oh, my God. So what else do we got here before we move forward into our tight end rankings? Uh, one more thing I'm curious about, and this is your team, Chris. I don't think we really dug into you in these back halves, have we? Um, outside of Jarvis Landry now. No, uh, Jerry Judy at 35. Yes, Jerry Judy. He's your rookie wide receiver to snag this year. He's oh, your he is. top guy. He, he absolutely is. I, I love Jerry Judy. I got a thing for Judy. I'll tell you guys that <laughs> my girlfriend can confirm that. Cause when she's mad, I call her Judy, but, um, <laughs> Moody Judy. So, but oh, I thought it was more of a big booty Judy kind of thing, but <laughs> I mean, I call Hey, whatever. Moody Judy, big booty Judy, whatever you want. But so I mean, and well, if you and if you noticed, I have Cortland Sutton also at wide receiver twenty-seven, which is it kind of balances itself out. I just think Jerry Judy is a phenomenal wide receiver. He's an exceptional route runner. I think he was the best receiver in this draft class. I've been watching and studying more on Drew Locke, and the more and more I look into it, the more and more I just I'm buying into the hype. I think that he's gonna be able to sustain two decently good pass catching options, but. 
I think Judy's going to really take a step forward. It might take a minute or two, but I he's somebody I am very about getting in the back of my drafts. No, I like Jerry Judy a lot, and I kind of agree with you with him being the best receiver. I just think that the Bronco offense is going to take another year to kind of get clicking. Uh, they got a lot of new pieces, young quarterback. Makes me a little nervous. So I, li- I like it's Judy fair. a lot. Like, if he were to go to another team with, like, an instant opportunity, say he were to go instead of Jalen Rieger to the Eagles, and he went to the Eagles, like, he would be creeping up, like, as high as J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor are creeping up right now because the instant opportunity. It just he's gonna have to you know battle a timeshare with another young up and coming receiver in Cortland Sutton. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird situation Cortland there because Sucken. Drew Locke might be the real deal there. He might be their quarterback to come, or he might not be. He's he's fun to watch. I don't know how good he's going to be. So that I really have no idea how to gauge that team. I still think Sutton's gonna be. You know, he's my back end, like my last wide receiver too. So I think they will sustain a top wide receiver. Just I don't know how high I have Judy yet. And if I'm going like rookie wide receivers, you know, either of the Vegas ones are hot right now because they just lost Terrell Williams for the season. There's uh, Justin Jefferson, I think, is getting relegated to uh, third wide receiver on that team. So that's iffy. There's just – I don't know if Judy's my go-to guy right now for rookie wide receivers. Well, my other thing is the division that they play, and I think that it warns for a lot of shootouts. So I just think that, you know, they're going to be in games where they need to – they got to play Kansas City twice, and Denver historically – you know, keeps pace with Kansas City. So I think they're going to fight them yeah. good. You know, something we didn't cover in the news that's kind of big, but the Chargers just lost their yeah. all-star safety. Um, Again. James, you know. He hasn't been there for a few years. Yeah, he's so, been banged I mean, up, but Derwin James is a stud on the field, so that does suck for them. And that's what I was just thinking as I was running through, like, one of my counterpoints. I was like, well, they do play in a tough division. Well, I mean, their toughest division defense just lost their best player outside yeah. of Joey Boza, and that's that's a huge hit. So, I mean, they still got uh, – I can't even think of his name now. They're cornerback. Well, they just got Chris Harris. They just picked up in the they offseason. Got, they picked from up Chris Harris, but they also but they have uh, Kev, is it Desmond King or no? Yeah, yeah, they have Desmond King there, and they have. Uh, I'm drawing blanks on defensive names right now. That's why I don't play IDP leagues. Anybody want to take me up on a full PPR? Jerry Judy finishes in the top 36 bet right now. No, because I personally don't. Because I could see a world where that happens. You know, if some rookie is always going to stud out, but. No, because I want to root for Jerry Judy. I don't want to root for him to fail. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. Does anybody got anything else with the wide receivers? I'm good here. Are you guys good? I'm good. Let's move forward to the tight ends. On to tight end rankings. Ugh. So for tight ends, we're going to one, go through our ones through sixes and then move on to our back ends. So, uh, Chris, why don't you start giving your first six tight ends? So I have the outlier here, Mr. George Kittle. Coming in at your tight end one, Travis Kelsey at tight end number two. Nothing special there. Clearly the top two tier. Mark Andrews at tight end number three. Zachary Ertz wearing his jersey right now. Tight end four. Darren Walrus Waller at tight end number five. And then we got Mike Isicki really making a big jump this year to tight end six. That's my top six. All right, Seta, give me yours. All right, so number one, the Cleveland native, Travis Kelsey. Number two, George Kittle. Number three, Andrews. Number four, Mr. Zach Ertz. Number five, Hunter Henry. And rounding out my top six, Mr. Austin Hooper. Austin Pooper. All righty. Uh, for me, I got George Kittle as one as well, Chris. I've got Travis Kelsey at two, Zach Ertz at three, Darren Waller four, Mark Andrews five, and Eng- Evan Ingram rounding out my top six. All right. 
let's get started here. Who's got something to say? Uh, just a quick something to say. Gesicki at six? Yes. Talk me into it. This dude is an athletic freak. He, I mean, this is the Saquon Barkley at tight ends from Combine Day. But the real reason why I really have him shooting up there, opportunity. The Miami Dolphins, half their wide receiving core has opted out due to so <laughs> you're going to see a lot of opportunity. And he, this is, I mean, this is a guy that worked out of the slot all last year and really found a lot of success there. You know, they lost Alan Hearns. They lost a lot of players that Devonte Parker and Preston Williams both seem to struggle with injuries. I know that set is about to come at me with the whole, he took off after Preston Williams got hurt and Preston Williams is not hurt, but I just think you're going to have a lot of, there's going to be a lot of targets coming his way. And especially if they do move to Tua at some point in the year, you know, what's a rookie quarterback's best friend. It's usually the tight end. So, and Fitzmagic also is known to utilize tight end. I just, I mean, it's kind of a crapshoot outside of the top four, outside the top five. So, but I just, I like a sicky a lot. I definitely could see that. I can see the world where he finishes that high. Um, but like you were just going to say, you preemptively blocked me. Um, Mr. Gasicki literally did go off, you know, once Preston went down. And Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, both of them, are dominant slot receivers. I know Devontae moved outside and Gasicki took over that role when um, Preston tore his ACL. But what makes you think that he's just going to, you know, clear-cut that role? Do you think he would be as good as an inline tight end? Or is he only going to be successful if they use him as a slot receiver? I think he'll be successful no matter what, just due to the lack of pass-catching options. Because right now when I look at that team, he is the clear-cut number three option, which you can't say that for a lot of other teams with their tight end. No, 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 you can't. And also, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick will probably be the quarterback one after week three. So, and well, he's going to in be, all of fantasy because that's what he does. It is and something that he does. Those points are going to be spread, man. And he slings the ball like you don't lose points for Mike. When you start Mike Kosicki, you're not losing points for Fitzpad Fitz Fitz Magic's interceptions. But he is going to gun throw that ball in double coverage windows just because he's got the fuck it mentality. That's what he does. <laughs> So, I mean, it's just, it's really volume for me. And the fact that I do believe in the player's talent. No, I could definitely see a world, like I said, where Gasicki does, you know, pop off and finish in the top 10. Um, I just wanted you and our listeners to be aware of when he was popping off. It was without Preston. So it is a little bit of a scary situation. You're not going to get exactly what you got towards the back half of the season. Yes, it is a risk. it's, It's a little risky, but a ton of upside there. And he's going in the spot, too, where... You can grab a lot of these young, athletic freaks of tight ends and, you know, get a couple of them and stream them throughout the season matchup-based. Which you just highlighted the biggest point of all. Something that, you know, from listening to your hit-or-miss section when you did Tyler Higby and Austin Hooper, if one thing you're going to learn from me when it comes to the tight end position, I'm all about the upside. I'm the guy that's going to draft a tight end late, and when I am drafting a tight end late, I'm looking for upside. And that's something that I see in Gasicki where, you know – there's a little, there's a higher ceiling for him, in my opinion, than the boring Jared Cook pick. So that's why my rankings show that. I, I absolutely agree. It's a risk. If you don't want to take that risk, don't. But for me, there's vacated targets on that team. I think he's talented enough to take those targets and do something with them. So that's why I have him where I have him. All right. Good points. Good points. What else we got? All right, Ryan. Um, both you and Chris are both pretty high on this guy. Um, I don't have him in my top six. He's right outside of it. But how do you expect Darren Waller to repeat 
what he did last season and have him in the top five. It's literally a lack of options there now, too. You know, like I said, with Tyrell Williams being down, he was Derek Carr's guy all of last year, and Darren Waller, a very good tight end. So if he's going to get that same amount of uh, opportunity, I think he's going to put up that same amount of production. But when they bring guys in like Lynn Bowden, Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs, do you not think that some of those guys are going to get targets and they bring back Hunter Renfro? Tyrell Williams might be out for a week or two. but No, Tyrell Williams is out for the year. He's on a... What's it called? He is on, yeah, he's, he's done. on IR. He's done for the year. Oh, really? I thought he had a torn labrum. Let me, um, and he was going to play through it. Double, no, you can fact check me on that. But yeah, he's fact been check put on, um, Okay, regardless, Tyrell Williams is out. We'll play on that, um, on that knowledge. I just think, like you said before, last season, he was the only guy. But this season, they have a lot of young, up-and-coming talent that could take a lot of those receptions away. So I don't think it's he's going to drop off that far, but I don't think he's going to be their number one option in Vegas. No, but those other options around him are rookies. They're question marks. They're unknowns. They are Darren Waller still going to get volume. And in a world where tight ends, there's two of them you want, and then the rest you're hoping with. Tyrell Williams on IR Yeah, to miss the entire season. Okay. So does it worry you that Darren Waller only has had one season where he's fantasy fantasy like liable yes it does and I'm not he's been lie. in the, he's been in the league for four years now so it's not like he's never and yeah he hasn't started he hasn't been that guy but a lot of the tight ends that come in they get drafted high and it takes a year or two for them to come into their own learn how to block get on the field a lot of times Darren Waller just he just out of nowhere popped up with 75 catches a thousand yards and four touchdowns without even playing the previous two seasons so does that worry you guys at all? Like, yeah, it obviously worries, but it's also, as we're going this season, moving forward, seeing what he can do last year, seeing what he did with Derek Carr. Derek Carr still their quarterback. He's still their starting tight end. They don't have too many other pass-catching options out there. I want Waller catching that ball all the time, so I think he's going to be a top tight end. And it's not going to be some kind of crazy season. He's not going to be a Kittle or a Kelsey. He's not going to be a guy who's going to win you weeks. But I think when you're reaching for tight ends – after those top two or three, you're really just hoping for a guy to play every week. And if not, then you're streaming. And I think Darren Waller is a perfectly fine guy to be your play every week guy. Now, for me, so I can finally jump in on this a little bit. Seta, I agree with everything you're saying. I'm not going to lie to you. I I want nothing to do with Darren Waller this year. He is. I do believe that he's going to be an efficient tight end. I have him at five. I understand that's kind of an oxymoron with what I just said. But... I'm not paying that 601 draft price for him. I'm not. I will not draft him in the sixth round. He's a tight end I'm absolutely avoiding. The reason I have him where I have him, something I've been preaching for the entirety of the show, rookie wide receivers. They take a long historically, they take a long time to catch on. That entire team right now is filled with rookie wide receivers. I do think that Darren Waller is going to be the trusted option in the red zone for Derek Carr. Something that, you know, that's he's going to look to him to score the touchdown. So I could see him having a decent touchdown upside. But am I worried about him having the volume that he had last year? I am. I don't think he's going to have it. And that's somebody I would much rather take Mike Isicki or other guys like Hayden Hurst, Tyler Higby, Jared Cook later on in my draft then pay that six-round draft price for Darren Waller. As soon as Zach Ertz is off the board at that point in time, that is the initial sign for me that I am punting the tight end position. And I'm yeah. the same way. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Honestly, that was what I was going to close with is the main reason I'm staying away is because he's so high drafted. Like you hit on, if I'm not getting one of those top four guys, I'm probably going to not be drafting a tight end high, and I'm going to be waiting to 
you know, the 12th through 15th rounds and get a couple of them, stack up on them, pick one up off of waivers. Not that important a position. And especially this year, it's a lot deeper than it's been in the past. That's fair. So uh, moving. And Ryan, I'm, I'm a little shocked you have him really quick since we're on him. You have him over Mark Andrews. Do you really think he's going to outscore Mark Andrews? Yeah, I do. I think the guaranteed volume is there. I don't think Lamar Jackson's going to lead the league in touchdown passes again this year. Well, I think he's still going to be very good. And I still think Andrews is going to be very good. He's my tight end five. I think he's going to be perfectly fine, play every week type of guy. I just don't see it happening. I think Waller will just get more than him. Like, as weird as that sounds, like, I don't really have an argument against it where I think they're going to be close points-wise. I just don't think Mark Andrews is going to reach that near double-digit touchdowns again. That's fair. That's fair. So, uh, moving forward here, uh, Ryan, I'm going to go ahead and steal your last point here. Set up Hunter Henry, tight end five. It's not something I think is impossible, but I'm curious how you do think it's possible. So the biggest thing with Hunter Henry and the reason why he, he's not really ranked that high in a lot of other people's rankings, it's his injury history. He hasn't been able to stay on the field for a full 16, um, but when he's on the field, man, that dude is dominant. I thought he had, you know, the next Kittle, Kelsey, you know, Tony Gonzalez, Gronk style of skill set. You know, he's a very consistent catcher, very good after the catch, and it's all about the opportunity of staying on the field with him. And this, it actually helps me out that we're doing it this week. Mike Williams is down now. And he's out for, I think it was four to six weeks. So you got, now you're stuck with Keenan Allen with Tyrod Taylor, and he, who doesn't really throw to the running backs all that much. So you have, you know, three options. And I just think he might be that second option right behind Keenan. And I just don't think Eckler's going to have the same season. I'm not really too in on the, on that, that Charger offense this season, but. I think Hunter Henry might be a nice sleeper pick that can break out as long as he can stay healthy for the full, you know, for the full season. Yeah, Hunter Henry is a guy who, when on the field, is a monster of a tight end. He is a ball getter. He is a he's an extra playmaker on the field. He's very talented, and it sucks that he's been hurt every year. I always take Hunter Hunter Henry has always been my guy. He's always been like that guy that I target in the late in the drafts as my tight end because when he's on the field, he's safe. So I can see a world where he is that high, but. With these court with this quarterback situation, I just don't love it. Yeah, I definitely I like Hunter Henry a lot of the talent. Um, the one thing that concerns me is injuries. I definitely if he stays on the field for a full sixteen, especially with Tyrod, who kind of does utilize the tight ends, who I think is going to really definitely hold down that starting position longer than most people are giving him credit for. I, I could see him doing it. So I was just curious why you thought so. All right, should we move into the? Seven through 15. Yeah, let's move on through our back tight ends. I guess I'll start this one. At number seven, I have Tyler Higby. Hunter Henry is my number eight. Jared Cook at nine. Hayden Hurst at 10. Gesicki at 11. Big old Gronk at 12. Jack Doyle, 13. Austin Hooper, 14. Blake Jarwin, 15. And Noah Fant, 16. So for me, I got Hayden Hurst at tight end number seven. Tyler Higbeast at tight end Number eight, Evan Ingram, nine, Jared Cook at 10, Hunter Henry at 11, Noah Fonts, I call him Noah Fantastic, at tight end number 12, Jonu Smith at tight end 13, Blake Jarwin breaking out into tight end 14, Dallas Goddard at tight end 15, and then that, that rounds out my top 15. All right, for me, I got uh, Darren Waller, number seven, Gronk at eight, TJ Hawk, number nine, number 10, I got Gesicki, 11, Hayden Hurst. 12, Jonu, Chris Herndon, Jared Cook, 
and Evan Ingram finishing out my top 15. All right. Now, this is where this gets contentious because you have some bold picks there at your back end setter. You have a lot of guys lower than I think most people would have them. Like, you ended your list with Evan Ingram as your last tight end. You're 15. Are you projecting injury on that out of curiosity? No, I'm not. Um, I don't think Daniel Jones is that good, first of all. Second of all, like I said when we were explaining my giant receiver, they have four playmakers aside from their tight end, who is who is very good. Evan Ingram's a good tight end. He's had injury history, and when he's done good in fantasy is when everyone else is injured. So as long as one or two receivers and Saquon can stay healthy, I think he's going to be an okay start week in and week out. Nothing special. He might have a breakout game where he has a touchdown and, you know, 100 yards, but I don't think that's going to be nearly as consistent. I think a lot of the guys I have above him are guys that I think are, you know, not the fourth or fifth passing option, but the second or third passing option on their team, such as guys like TJ Hawkinson or Jonu Smith. Um, Even Hayden Hurst is the third guy, I believe. Hawk could be the second or third, depending on Marvin Jones. And Jonu is the clear second guy behind A.J. Brown. So I just think that they have a little bit more opportunity than Evan Ingram's going to have. I think Evan Ingram's definitely a better player. But it's just the opportunity with them, and I don't know how their offense is going to look. Can we refer to T.J. Hawkinson as the Hawkness monster going forward? You can do that. I don't hate it. I have him on, like, all my teams, so yeah. <laughs> the Hawkness monster. The Hawkness monster. T.J. Hawkinson is one of those guys, though. Real quick, I know no one really – commented on him i just i was about to i was going to ask you about it okay i i really 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 like tj hawkinson i watched him all through his college i was like man dude who is this guy he's gonna be the next gronk he He is a beast he gets drafted like ninth overall and then noah fought the same team gets drafted the first round too like that was just a crazy tight end class now but tj hawkinson his biggest issue the same thing with hunter henry is this man was banged up all the year last year, as well as his quarterback was too. So it's all about health. If Matt Stafford and TJ Hawkinson can stay healthy between 10 to 15 games this year, he'll definitely outplay his like last round ADP. Yeah, so I love the player TJ Hawkinson, Hawkness Monster. Um, my issue with him is everything you just said, but that's my issue. It's it's Matthew Stafford. I just Matthew Stafford, he's not one to really utilize the tight end. He's kind of a throw the ball down the field guy. When he's looking for a security blanket, it's usually more of the running back position, hence Theo Riddick's relevance. Um, so that's that's my only concern. If Hockness Monster breaks out and has a top five season at the tight end position. I'm not going to be shocked. I think that he's got the talent to do so, but just historically with what Stafford does, that's the only reason that steers me away. No, I could totally agree with that. Cause if you think about it, like you couldn't even name any tight ends that's been on the lions in the last 10 years. Other than those years we were I waiting mean, on Ebron. Yeah. Who, who, who when he was on the, when he was on the lions, he had one game with three touchdown p- catches and then everyone's like, Oh, he's going to be so good. And he really didn't do much after that. Similar to and, what Hawkinson did last year. Exactly. And then and then you have like the ghost shell of Jesse James on his team. Who who even is that? And then so I just think <laughs> Shout out Justin. I just I just think that TJ the the main thing I think with Matt Stafford not throwing to the tight end is I feel like they wanted to make a point of that by drafting him ninth overall. It's like you, you don't go. I was with, shocked when they did. Yeah, that. you don't go after a tight end if you it, that early in the first round if you're not going to utilize him. So, all right, yeah, move, moving forward here. So, um, what do you guys got for me? I see, a, and I'm next to some players. So my biggest thing is 
Chris, with you, I think we, we've kind of discussed Tyler Higby. He has a lot of upside, you know, but he's not even the starting tight end, so we'll move past him. I think he um, is a starting tight end, so that's <laughs> but why the, he's a tight end number eight. But two of the guys that I'm more curious about is towards the back end. It's not in your – they didn't even crack your top 15. but Rightfully so. That's Gronk and Hooper. How are they not in your top 15? So Gronk, I have a tight end 17. Austin Pooper, I have a tight end 18. With Gronk, it's simple. There's three tight ends in that room. There's Cameron Brait, somebody that's signed to a long-term contract. There's O.J. Howard, who has been one of the highest tight end prospects in years. I do think he has the talent. He's just not really had a chance to showcase it. He's also a phenomenal blocker, so I know that that's going to get him playing time with Arians. I don't see Gronk coming in at his age and his injury history and just commanding the snaps. I don't. I think it's going to be a well-balanced split. Now, What's going to make or break Gronk's season, in my opinion, is 100% touchdowns. So if Gronk comes out and he has a 10-touchdown season, he's absolutely going to outplay where I have him. I'm not going to predict for that, though. Not when you have pass-catching options like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard, who's also good in the red zone. Cameron Braid, who's also good in the red zone. They have a rookie, Tyler Johnson, who kind of slipped that was supposed to be really good. you got Scotty Miller, a guy that's really building rapport with Brady. BG. Yeah, like it's, you know, there's just a lot of options there. Uh, that's my main point. If Gronk has 10 touchdowns, I think I'm wrong. If Gronk doesn't have 10 touchdowns, I think I'm right. No, that, that's fair. And that's why I have him, you know, ranked so high. I have him statted out kind of like Jared Cook had a season last year where it wasn't very reception dependent. It was more of a decent amount of yards and a bunch of touchdowns. And uh, the, the main thing I have to say with Gronk is, yes, there's a ton of weapons in Tampa. There's a ton of great skill players, but the one consistency is Brady to Gronk. Like that is a connection. That's a Hall of Fame. That you connection. can't you can't forget about. So even though there is a guy like Cameron Bray, OJ Howard, I don't see them getting as many targets as Gronk, especially in the red zone. That's fair. And so and just to get, jump back in, the reason with Hooper, it's something that I've expressed for a long time. I really do expect this team to be a run first team with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in that backfield and. I don't think they're going to be able to sustain three solid pass-catching options. And Hooper, in my opinion, is the odd man out. Now, to circle back to what we were talking about in the past, I, I do think Hooper is a good football player. I think he's a good blocker. I think he's going to be on the field. I just don't think he's going to get the opportunity that you need to be a successful tight end in what is a very murky landscape. And, you know, it's something that we highlighted in the hit or miss section, that this is one of the, this is kind of the best shape we've seen the tight ends in in a long time. There's a lot of guys that have upside. So uh, is it possible Hooper outplays 18? That is kind of low. I just, I don't like, I don't like the position. I just don't think he's going to have the chance to really, I do think Landry and Beckham are going to command the targets on this team. So that's really where it puts him down for me. Yeah, that's fair. And honestly, like, you having him low is it's all right. But what's even more egregious is Ryan putting Jack Doyle <laughs> at number thirteen. All reliable, Jack Doyle. Doyle rules, man. That's the Philip Rivers. That's oh, the Philip Rivers. Oh, Doyle rules. Yeah, that that is the Philip Rivers effect. And that's exactly what that is. Jack Doyle, you know, he played all sixteen games last year. He's And Trey Burton right now. We don't know what's going on with him. No, we he's, never know what's going on with him. Hurt like he always is. And so it, it, it's completely the Philip Rivers effect. Philip Rivers throws the ball all over the field to anyone who's on the field, whether it's a defender, whether it's a wide receiver, whether it's just a running back, and a lot of times whenever it's his tight end. So I think 13 is not too high to have a guy who could be the worst tight end in the league this year. It's just 
when you're dealing with that spot at that position, it is big what ifs. And I'd, I'd rather go with the guy who gets the ball to the tight end a lot. And that's Philip Rivers going there. That's yeah, fair. for me, I'd rather take a shot on all these young guys instead of that 30-year-old skeleton of a man, Jack Doyle. His in injury history concerns me, too. Yeah. He's just old. He's not an explosive. He, he's a solid floor. You know, he, he's going to get a few receptions a game, going to get a couple yards, you know, and nothing flashy where a lot of the other guys that, you know, you have in the back end, like Blake Jarwin, Noah Font, and those guys have huge upside. They could be the next top five tight ends. So that's where I kind of, you know, come down on the older late round tight ends. Yeah, it, they completely could be the next top five tight end. But at the moment, I'm going to go with the quarterback who finds the tight end, the Hall of Fame potential maybe we'll see quarterback who gets his tight on the ball and that's philip rivers i understand why he's there it's not i don't want to touch him because of the injury risk it's that's what's keeping me off him but historically rivers with tight ends so. oh yeah i never said i want to touch him i i want to stay far away you from him get all fans. over that man no. <laughs> I, i'm staying away from him if that makes sense but where i see him going at that's that's where i project him at so, Seda, I got one for you. This is something that I purposely left out of the news feed because we had a kind of long news feed, and I knew we'd be able to touch base on it in this segment. Chris Herndon is uh, battling an injury right now. Does that concern you at all? You have him pretty highly ranked. I know he's a high prospect, but on a on a team with a you know a lot of question marks, Adam Gase, nobody's fond of him. Um, but you know, just t- t- talk to me a little bit about Chris Herndon. Yeah, so Chris Herndon kind of falls into that young later round ton of upside because of his athletic ability skill set where yeah he's a little banged up right now but a lot of people are through camp because it ramped up so quickly i think him and uh darnold are one of the few qb pass catching that have a little bit of a connection built i know he was suspended a little bit last year but he's he's been on the team as long as darnold has and he knows him well and he's a lot of good things before he got banged up at camp has been coming out and aside from jameson chowder like, I, I don't see much in the pass catchers. I know Perryman's a field stretcher, but his hamstring's banged up. Same with Mims. Like, he might just be one of the most guys who's on the field the most. So that could lead to a lot of opportunity for him. Yeah, we've been waiting for him to go off for a while and dealing with injuries and suspensions that really prevented that. But the guy's supposed to be a top talent, so we'll find out. Yeah, so anybody got any other debates here? I mean, I, I had Jared Cook but I for Seta, but I feel like you're calling for a less amount of touchdowns, which would really affect his finish. Yeah, just, just a few less touchdowns, so that's going to drop him down because he's not a big reception hog, especially with the addition of Emmanuel Sanders in New Orleans. That's fair. I, I get that. I, I personally, Jared Cook's one of my favorite late-round guys to snag if you have punted the tight end position just because I think that in that offense he has a chance to catch touchdowns, which when you're getting – when you get outside of that top five at tight end, you're really just banking on who is going to consistently catch a touchdown the most every week. That's basically – you know, we're saying the tight end class is better. Let's don't Don't misunderstand us. It still sucks. It's still bad, yeah. If you're not getting Kittle or Kelsey or Ertz or Andrews or, in Ryan's case, Waller, then you're not getting anybody. You're streaming. So I got a quick question for you guys. So out of all the guys we have ranked in our, like, top 20, what is the one person that you think that can break out and have, like, that Mark Andrews season that literally came out of nowhere? Mark Andrews was undrafted in most drafts last year. Who's that guy that you can maybe snag for, you know, you or our listeners in that like 16th or 18th round, your last pick of the draft, 
who could break out and become very, very relevant this season? So for me, I mean, I've already made a lot of points about possibly being Mike Kosicki, but I'm going to actually go somewhere else. I'm going to pivot to one of my favorite up-and-coming tight ends this year on an offense that I've already, in this episode, highlighted that I am really rising on. And that's uh, coming into year two, uh, Mr. Noah Fantastic. I really believe in the talent of this guy. He was somebody that I was very happy to snag in a dynasty league. He's been one of my dynasty targets. And if you're talking, I mean, I'm not crazy about him in redraft just because I don't usually like to draft two tight ends. And, you know, but I think he's got the skill set to really break on and be the next big thing at tight end. He is one of the rare tight ends that can take just about any cat or any pass thrown his way to the house and turn it into six points for your team. So he's got that big play capability and it's an offense that's rising. It's still a young quarterback with Drew Locke, which tight end is a young quarterback's best friend. Usually I would not be surprised if we see Noah Fant finish in the top five this year. No, oh, good, good, good. Uh, my pick is going to be Blake Jarwin, tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Woo! And that's just 83 targets from Jason Witten gone to Vegas. Uh, I know we're talking C.D. Lamb going to eat up a bunch of those. We're talking uh, Mari Cooper might get a nut bump. We're getting Ezekiel Elliott's going to get more targets, or Gallup's going to get finally his chance to shine. Everybody that's on the team is getting yeah, good targets. That, that offense is so high-octane high that they're going to feed the tight end, too. And while I don't think – exactly that Blake Jarwin's going to get 80 plus targets this year. I don't think he might be way off either. I think he could become a reliable guy. And if he does become the next Jason Witten down there in Dallas, then they're, they're hitting gold. So the one thing that worries me about Jarwin is he played a season without win. He was the Monday night football guy for a year, you know, and he Jarwin didn't really do much. And then that could just because he's young. Yeah. I definitely like his upside a lot. So I could agree with that one. Um, for me, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to go with two people. <laughs> and two people that I've drafted so I could put my money where my mouth is. I do have faith in these guys. Um, for the first one is the Green Bay Packer tight end. No. Mr. Jace Sternberger. <laughs> no. I think there's a report that just came out. He wasn't even named their starter. Yeah, Tanyan's been looking decent in camp. <laughs> but I still think that Sternberger has been running with the ones majority of the camp. Is this the Iowa guy? No, uh, he's from Texas A&M. I figured out. I was pissed. <laughs> but so Jay Sternberger, he's just he's just a guy that I'm not really like too high on his talent, his skill set, or anything. But he plays for the Packers. He plays for I see a why very, you picked two now. Yeah, he has a very good you know passing offense with. Devonte Adams and then nothing really else. I know, but I just want to really quick just jump in here. When's the last time you've seen Aaron Rodgers support a top twelve tight end? Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying he can support a top twelve, but the the main thing is he's always had two solid options. So it was you know Jordy Nelson, it was Devonte Adams at the same time. Like there's always been two guys that he kind of can feed on and off. So I just think that with Devonte Adams getting all the coverage, someone else on the Packers is going to play well in the pass catcher. That's whether fair. it's the Lizard King, whether it's Sternberger, whether it's Tanyan, whether it's Equinemia St. Brown, it's good to take a shot on one of those second options for Aaron Rodgers because it's going to be a very, very good offense this year, and they're not going to be able to run nearly as much as they did last year. And the second guy is the starter Oh God! for the Rams. I can actually see this. This one makes Mr. sense. Mr. Yeah. Gerald Everett. He is going to be the sleeper pick of all of your drafts this year. He's not going to even be drafted. Wait for it. Right before week one, pick him up because he's going to pop off week one and Higby's going to have no catches, no targets, and he's going to be blocking for Cam Akers. But Gerald Everett's going to get all the looks. 
because he's their starting tight end. He's their receiving tight end. He is their big playability tight end. And so I, I think w- Gerald Everett definitely has a possibility to jump. Yeah, and while I don't necessarily agree that he's a starting tight end, I do agree that he has upside in this offense. I think this is an offense that's going to go to 12 set that can utilize and support too. So maybe get ahead of the curb and go ahead and get him early. But I definitely like Everett. So, All right, that was some pretty good stuff. Pretty, pretty good stuff. And that'll be it for our show this week. Uh, sorry we couldn't get one to you guys last week. We really do apologize. Uh, natural problems causing power outages and stuff. So that really sucked. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just to wrap everything up, if you guys have any questions, concerns, feedback, or you want to be a part of the show, uh, feel free to hit us up on any of our social medias at HitStickFantasy on Twitter as well as Instagram. Like us on Facebook. And uh, the main thing is we're going to try to push for a big iTunes review this week. So if we can try to hit our goal of 10 written reviews on iTunes, we're going to give you guys out a prize given away on Twitter. Have a good one, boys. All right. Thanks. Love you guys. And girls. Girls.